Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right. Hello, hello, everyone. Today I'm sharing a talk that I did on an Instagram Live with my friend Kelly about a year ago, I think. This was on my podcast before my podcast got deleted by Spotify. So I'm just resharing it here. I called it Almost Everything You Should Know About Nutrition. I think it's a very good rundown of the main things that we talk about in the alternative health business, in the nutrition world. The stuff that's good for us that we're not getting enough of. The stuff that's bad for us that we're getting too much of. Why aren't modern foods enough to get our nutrients? How do the longest lived populations get their nutrients? All that stuff wrapped up into this talk. So I hope you enjoy it. Before we jump in, just going to tell you that you can find everything that I do on my website, noticebooks.org. Notice is spelled not us, so that's notusbooks.org. That includes an archive of these podcasts. It includes the books that I've written myself and help release. Most of them are in the health category. And you can find free audiobook versions of all of my books on my website in the audiobook section. Again, that's notusbooks.org. I will put all of those audiobooks back up here on the podcast since I've restarted the podcast here. Also on my website is all of my channels. I'm most active on Instagram. We've also got YouTube channels. See all that on the website, as well as hundreds of book reviews. That's the main thing that I do. I am in the health business here, but I read a lot. Been doing this for a long time. And now most of the books are in the health category. And I let you know what's worth your time and money, what adds to our knowledge here, and so on. Everything on notusbooks.org. And with that out of the way, we can jump into the talk. Hi, Ryan. Pleasure to be here with you. The pleasure is mine, my brother. Thank you very much for joining. <clears throat> I hope you're fine today. You as well. By the way, I, I, I saw the podcast between you and um, Uriah. That was powerful. It got pretty intense there towards the end, truthfully. Yes, it did. It really uh, did get very intense. Uh, <laughs> an interesting discussion too, by the way, and I hope we can have such section on here as well. All right, so uh, thank you, everyone, for joining. Um, 
This is Rian uh, Alexander. He is uh, into alternative health, uh, which you can also call the holistic approach to health. Uh, Rian is also an author of several books. Uh, he was trained by some of the best uh, doctors uh, in the field of alternative approach to health, uh, the likes of Dr. Uh, Joel Wallach and um, pharmacist Ben Fudge. So uh, I've known the brother for a while. I follow him, follow his lectures on YouTube as well. My mind was blown. In fact, the first time I get to learn anything about mud flood was through your uh, YouTube lectures. Wow. So I thought to myself, okay, it would be good to bring you on here and then get to interact with you. So for today, I'm just trying. My aim for having this dialogue is to bring awareness around nutrition for today, and then hopefully we can touch base on EMF, okay, on uh, electromagnetic uh, force or field. So, uh, Rian, could you please uh, maybe do a better introduction of yourself uh, to the people? Yeah, basically, I mean, I didn't mean to get into the health business by any means. I was born in pain. I was born with uh, dislocated hips wrapped around my head and chronic pain, uh, chronic involuntary twitching that people might call Tourette's. I would call the main problem stiff man syndrome. All my muscles were all stiff and, you know, I would turn my head too quickly and pull a muscle out. I'd have to be in a neck cast going to school and stuff like this. Uh, general weakness you know, uh, it's most of this I wouldn't have wanted to talk about, by the way, when I was a kid, I would have avoided this whole subject. You know, I just would have not played basketball because if I tried to catch the basketball, I literally might break my fingers. That's how weak I was on a bone structure. And I mentioned muscles, bone and muscles. It's the same nutrient category deficiency. I actually broke my arm once swinging a golf club. That's how bad it was. I accidentally hit the ground, fractured my arm. It's incredible, you know. And uh, there's a lot of young athletes out there, too, that talk to me like, hey, I've got this torn, torn meniscus, torn ACL. Well, this is a more mild version of the same deficiency because we don't consider these chronic injuries or being prone to injuries. We don't consider it being caused by the sport. You know, it's, the, the, it's not the soccer's fault that you tore your ACL. It's the deficiency's fault because we should be uh, quite strong in, on a bone and muscular level. But so... I lived in pain my whole life. I lived with chronic headaches, chronic stomach pain, chronic muscle pain, chronic, you know, skeletal weakness, chronic twitching, uh, all kinds of twitching. That was a huge problem. Again, twitching's a muscle problem. It's the same problem here. And in my case, I don't know if I'd be in this business if my result didn't happen so quickly. It doesn't always happen so quickly. Usually we say, you know, you need at least 90 days to rebuild tissues to rebuild a knee or something like that but in less than one week which is pretty incredible less than one week all of my primary symptoms were gone i didn't mention insomnia in there as well insomnia is actually the same category and i was an insomniac for 25 full years because it's actually a muscle problem so within one week i could sleep i was no longer in pain i could move my head around completely for the first time in my entire life um not twitching anymore you know this whole thing so it was pretty automatic to try and start talking to people about this. Wasn't planning to be a nutritionist or any holistic practitioner of any kind. I always considered myself an artist for a living. You know, even if I wasn't making a good living, I would always introduce myself as an artist. But it just became so important that uh, I had to tell everybody around me, you know, you guys are in Africa, but I imagine the same problems are catching up. Right? It doesn't matter where we are in the world. 
as soon as people start eating modern foods and mm -hmm. modern medicines and are being exposed to EMF, you mentioned the same thing, two sides of the same coin. As soon as you guys start adopting these modern lifestyles, you'll get more and more of these problems. And for us, it's pretty much everyone. It's, it's practically everyone. Um, it's a, they say a third of the American population has a diagnosed blood sugar problem, either pre-diabetes or diabetes or something like that. And uh, if I was going to include our definition, our broader definition of a blood sugar problem, that would be more than half of the population. So everybody knows somebody with some chronic health problem. And for me, this is why I had to kind of give up my other plans in life because everybody I knew was sick. Everybody I knew was dealing with something you know, whether it was something simple like being overweight or a skin problem or headaches, stomach aches, uh, someone like my mom with osteoporosis, you know, uh, bone degeneration, basically. I had to tell everybody. It took a while to start uh, gaining traction and figuring out how to communicate this. And we've been doing this probably seven years now. We've done this on the ground. We've done small events in churches and recreation centers and basements of apartment buildings to huge events like the big Toronto Health Expos, one of the biggest health expos in the whole world, actually. We do those all the time, spreading this message. But now we do this full-time on Instagram, and we can reach many, many, many more people. It's pretty incredible. Yourself, you've got over 4,000 followers. I just recently got up to 10,000, but I was around the 4,000 for quite a while. And <laughs> even just, just speaking to that amount of people is quite incredible. I know I'm kind of rambling here, but uh, this is why we do this online now, because when we did the person-to-person, -person, small meetings, you know, handing out CDs and individually communicating with people, it was a very slow build, but now I mean, we can sit down and right now there's 26 people watching. That's not such a huge deal, but if you could imagine standing in front of 26 people in a room, it's pretty good, and usually you have to invite 260 people to get 26 to actually come to the event, you know, so that's a whole bunch of work and this really cuts it down. If we save this, post this on YouTube later, thousands of people might see it, especially over the years as it accumulates. And the goal is, this is my end of the introduction, but the goal is to have a healthier world. And this is partially because of the people that we love, you know, like I didn't want my mom to have osteoporosis. She doesn't anymore, by the way, her bone density got up very quickly on this program she's continued on with it but selfishly as well I don't know about you but I don't want to live in a world where everybody's malnourished I don't want to live in a world I'm in Canada with, with a huge huge uh, tax rate basically you know you can pay up to 40% of your income in tax and where's a lot of that money going healthcare healthcare right the uh, the medicine system so I think we can have a much better world a much much more prosperous world if we spread this information we can build a good business at the same time, but like I said, I don't want to have friends who are complaining about aches and pains, uh, miscarriages, you know, people, I don't want to see my friends spending thousands of dollars on treatments that don't work, and even things like, I love chiropractors when they're necessary, but I know people who go to a chiropractor two or three times a week and they pay $400 a session, it's just insane to me. You know, whether insurance pays for it or not, this is an ultimate cost to our society that we can basically completely eliminate all right okay um for those of you in the listening audience um towards the end of this discussion uh, if you have questions for Rian, please get your questions together and then hopefully he will be able to attend your question sadly uh 
Instagram wouldn't let me <laughs> post your picture, post your video, or even tag your handle. That was insane. I don't know if you're aware of this. You were heavily shadow banned on Instagram. Heavily shadow banned. It's very annoying. Um, we've, we've got like five accounts, but the three main ones, this one, the Wallach Warriors Health account, and the Transcend Towers, the EMF account, they're always shadow banned. It's crazy. They don't like this information. And um, this, this is supposed to be a private business thing. You know, technically, Zuckerberg can do whatever he wants, but this is more an issue of the state and government control over information. And for some reason, big tech is, uh, is playing right along with, with the government and uh, blocking us from having the appropriate information. And that's, sure. a, that's a good way to, to start this, actually, because most of this is just information-based. Uh, we do sell products, but uh, we've been saying that I haven't been doing this for 30 years, but Dr. Wallach has been doing this well over 30 years. And in the original recordings, cassette tapes that he would record, it said at the very beginning in the introduction that if you only take 10% of this information, you can change your life. And it's absolutely true. true. Most people don't actually buy the products from us. You know, we got thousands and thousands of followers. I don't have thousands and thousands of customers. I got hundreds, you know, but we do have many, 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 many hundreds of people message us and say, Hey, I just took this one simple piece of advice or these two simple pieces of advice. My life is completely different now. And so that should be the goal that anybody who's watching should be able to take a few snippets of this and radically change their health. Absolutely. All right, thank you very much. Okay, so uh, let's move uh, into the discussion proper. And like I said, to those of you who would have questions, whatever your question is, uh, towards the end of the uh, sit down, the dialogue, I would be able to bring you on to ask your question. So, uh, Rian, uh, the first question then is, what is nutrition and how essential is having the necessary nutrient in our food is in relation to our health and uh, helping ourselves to heal? Okay, the first thing I would do is separate out food and nutrients. We can call food macronutrients, big nutrients. Proteins, fat, carbs, big nutrients. Things that we actually need to eat. And then you got micronutrients. The things that are essential for our function are not foods. Basically, there's no food that is completely essential to all humans. You don't need to eat carrots if you don't want to eat carrots, right? Carrots will have some micronutrients in it, which are vitamins, minerals, amino acids, essential fatty acids. They'll have some of those in it, but you don't have to eat a carrot to get it. You can eat a watermelon and get it. You know, you could eat uh, ground bones and, and get it. You could eat fish and get it. You could eat steamed kale and get it. So none of us need any specific foods. And actually, when you're looking at the longest-lived populations and people in the world, they eat all kinds of different things. And this is part of the source of the confusion. Some of them eat garlic. Some of them don't. Some of them eat uh, ox. Some of them eat pig. Some of them eat chicken. Some of them live on the sea and they eat seafood. So we need some food, obviously. We need some protein. We need a lot of protein. We need protein. We need fat arguable whether we need carbs, but I do believe so. I believe we're omnivores and carbs are part of our natural diet. But the micronutrients is what's critically missing. Most of the stuff on Instagram seems to be focused on actual foods. They're focused on macronutrients. They're talking about anti-nutrients in certain foods. And uh, they're saying, you know, some of these foods antagonize us. To me, this is all, you're, you're missing the forest for the trees sort of thing. 
The main point that we have is that the longest of people and populations invariably have more micronutrients, the small nutrients that are supposed to be in foods. Again, it doesn't matter what actually grows in the garden. It matters what nutrients are in the soil for the food to pull up. And that's in our modern food system, that's very, very missing. There's all kinds of reasons for this. But quickly, the, the micronutrients that are essential, there's at least 90 of them. We say the 90 essential nutrients, it's more of a catchphrase. Reality is more than that. We believe that all the elements on the periodic table are essential in their natural forms and in their natural quantities, even mercury and lead. Arsenic is a good example. Arsenic, nobody disagrees that arsenic is essential. Mainstream medical world, veterinary science, everybody agrees that we need a little tiny, tiny bit of arsenic. It's essential. But it can obviously be toxic even further than that. It's going to be the same with lead or mercury, and also the types of these nutrients matter. It matters whether it's an industrial chemical, you know, like uh, fluoride, right? We actually believe naturally occurring fluoride, which is in most spring water, it'll be in your, your natural salts, it'll be in anything that you eat from the seafood. We actually believe fluoride is essential for bone and joint formation. Doesn't mean, you know, toxic industrial hexafluoride that comes from the, the aluminum production byproduct. That's not essential, right? The mercury in your thermometer is not essential, but the trace mercury that's found in nature is, to our belief. So there's at least 60 essential minerals. And essential means you can't make it and you get a disease without it. There could be one other specification in there, but those are the two main ones. You can't make it yourself and you get a disease without it. Everybody knows about vitamin C. If you don't have enough vitamin C, you get the disease that we call scurvy. It's the simplest example. But if any of these are missing, we're going to get a disease of some kind. Usually directly linked one to the other. All of the other nutrients other than the minerals are food products. Foods can make vitamins. They can make amino acids. Right? Amino acids are the building blocks for proteins. We mentioned macro and micronutrients. In this case, the micronutrients build the macronutrients. The amino acids literally build the proteins that we require. But we also have to break them back down in the stomach to absorb them, nonetheless. The only other category of essential nutrients are the essential fatty acids, otherwise known as omegas. Plants and animals, but plants are the bottom of the food chain. Plants can make all of those things. Plants can make vitamins, amino acids, and essential fatty acids. And the animals that eat those plants can produce even more, like B12. You're going to get more B12 in an animal than you are going to get from a vegan diet. So that's not the biggest problem, although it is a problem. I don't know what it's like in Nigeria, but in the West, scurvy is still rampant. You know, the, the mainstream talks about these things as if, oh, we eradicated scurvy and rickets. No, we didn't. Not at all. No, we didn't. <laughs> I see it every day. You know, I got to go to Walmart down the street. I see scurvy and rickets all day. So... Plants can make those things, but you'll notice that's only one-third of the essential nutrients. The other two-thirds are minerals. And if you'll allow me to, I'll go into the three main ways that the natural human beings got those minerals. And we don't do any of those things anymore. The first one is going to be irrigation. They irrigated their fields with mineral-rich water. This is every civilization, every major city in the world was built on a floodplain originally. Because every year, the rivers would flood. You flood the fields with mineral-rich water. The water recedes, the minerals stay. Farmers would go in, they'd till the soil. 
and they push those minerals into the soil. It's actually four things they do, and I should mention that right now. I have the fourth thing in right now is compost. They also have these big, huge compost heaps. So everything that they didn't eat, whether it was bones, eggshells, lawn trimmings, like, you know, leaves and stuff like that, food waste, human manure, animal manure, carcasses, whatever, everything would go thrown into the compost heaps. And these compost heaps could be bigger than the family home, truthfully. So this is a, a living soil, an organic soil that they're making themselves as well. So after the floods, water recedes, they go and till in the minerals, and they also add on top this organic living topsoil. So this creates a, a really nutritious environment for the plants to grow on. If you consider the way that we grow in the West, we don't do any of this. We, we dammed one million rivers. We dammed the, all of the important rivers in the world, at least one million of them, for two reasons, flood control and electricity production. So flood control is bad when we need floods to flood the fields. We need minerals in the fields. And electricity production is bad because it takes us away from the next major source of nutrients, which is wood ash. But let me mention further this. Um, since we're growing on, on barren soils that no longer flood, so there's no longer, they're no longer mineral-rich soils, those soils would not be able to sustain food production for very long if we didn't use commercial fertilizers. Commercial fertilizer is three elements, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, NPK. That's it. It's three out of 90, basically. Well, three out of 60 essential minerals. Those are the only three elements that you need to maximize yields cheaply. Now, we say we, we could go further. We could, we could produce better crops if we put all 60 essential minerals on the soil, but there's no way that's going to be economically viable. It never would be unless the rivers flooded. And the rivers might not have all 60 essential minerals. Only some places in the world do. They're all in the seawater, by the way. So you hear a lot about sea moss. All the seawater has a basic substrate of all of the elements in the periodic table. As any algae or zooplankton or plants, anything that's growing in the sea is going to have a baseline of those nutrients. So seafood is invariably much higher nutrient value. And as you go further up the food chain, like uh, the algae gets eaten by the zooplankton, the fish eats the zooplankton, bigger fish eats that fish. Each step up the food chain, it's called biomagnification or bioaccumulation. People usually talk about this in reference to toxins. If there's one unit of toxin in the water, there's going to be 10 units in the algae, and there's going to be 100 units in whatever eats the algae, etc. goes up, magnifies each step up the food chain. But this also counts for nutrients. And this is how you get high mercury counts in sharks and tunas and stuff like this at the top of the food chain because every, there was only a little tiny, tiny little bit of mercury in the, in the seawater, but by the time you get six, seven steps up the food chain, it, it's accumulated quite a lot. So in the soils, this doesn't happen unless you're in an area where it happens to have all the nutrients. Some places on Earth do. The bigger and longer the river is, the more chance that it's going to be accumulating a wider variety of minerals because minerals are not distributed evenly across the earth. You can't just pick a random spot on your farm field and expect there to be all 60 essential minerals in there. There might be three right here. You might move 10 feet over and now there's 30 minerals in that spot just so happens. It's like gold. It's like gold. You don't, you don't find gold everywhere. You find veins of gold. It's the same with most minerals. If you look at a map of mineral distribution 
they usually have very little overlap. There's some selenium here, then this huge area has no selenium, etc. So it's, it's highly unpredictable. And when we said you get a disease if any of these are missing, you can see that you don't want to play dice with this, right? You don't want to fool around with this. If we don't live in a place that has all the nutrients present, we need to do something about that. Because when we only put three nutrients into the soil, that's all we get, that's, right? We don't, people say, oh, you eat Brazil nuts to get selenium. Well, if there's no selenium in the soil where the Brazil nut is growing, the Brazil nut tree, then there's no selenium in the Brazil nut. The Brazil nut tree does not require selenium. It doesn't need selenium to grow. It can grow in, in the soil without selenium. I live in a huge swath of land, but it's not like my land is huge, but the area that I live in has no selenium in it. It's called the Canadian Shield. It's a massive, massive body of land that has basically zero selenium in it. So if the people there don't add selenium into their food, they're not going to get selenium. And what are they going to get? They're going to get selenium deficiency diseases. This could be cardiomyopathy, heart attack, enlarged heart. Same thing. This could be um, cystic fibrosis, muscular dystrophy. These are all basically selenium deficiencies. I don't want to go too much into detail there because I'm getting off topic here. When we irrigated the fields, we had minerals in the field. If we didn't irrigate the fields, there ain't no minerals in the field. The soil becomes barren very quickly. It only takes as short as a few growing seasons to be, you know, very, very catastrophically depleted in minerals. So that's why we need commercial fertilizers because food wouldn't even grow properly in it. We wouldn't get predictable crops if we didn't use nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Now, even worse here, we're still only on this first thing that people do to get nutrients, by the way. And this is only not relevant in places that live by the sea. So little island communities and stuff like this. The other things on the list are going to be more important because they don't irrigate their fields. But they're also eating from the sea, as we just discussed. They get more minerals that way. When plants grow on a soil that is barren, that doesn't have a nice range of minerals for them, Remember, vitamins, amino acids, essential fatty acids, plants make those things. Those are not in the soil. You don't have a soil with vitamins in it. It, does, it doesn't matter. if it, it might be in the compost. It just doesn't matter because plants don't suck vitamins up. Plants suck minerals up and they produce vitamins themselves. You could grow a plant in a substrate of vitamins. It doesn't matter. It's not going to make any difference. When you grow plants on a barren soil, the plants themselves are weaker. They have less defenses against Bacteria, fungus, mold, bigger pests like insects and rodents, they can't defend themselves as well. So now what do we need? First, we need a fertilizer. Now we also need pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. Now this is bad for a number of reasons. Number one, it concentrates in the tissues. And even though there's no great evidence that, about the long-term consequences of this, we don't believe it's a good idea to consume pesticides. Why? Because your body is there's more bacterial and viral and protozoa cells in your body than there are human cells. There's more microbiome cells in your body than there are your cells. So in a very real way, your microbiome is you. It's a symbiotic relationship. They cannot live without you. You cannot live without them. So if we're consuming pesticides, we're killing some of our microbiome. That's just not good. But even worse, for the nutrition of the plant, ultimately, roots don't suck up minerals themselves. It's not a job they do on their own. Just like we don't digest food on our own, we need our microbiome to help with that, or we're going to have a digestive problem. 
Roots cannot suck up minerals without a symbiotic relationship with the fungus and bacteria and protozoa in the soil. So when they put pesticides down, it kills the bacteria and the fungus and the mold and all the stuff. It kills it all in the soil, a lot of it. Now, they don't have the fungus there to pre-digest the minerals to get sucked up into the root. So we've got barren soil growing weak plants. Those weak plants need pesticides. Since we use pesticides, we kill the stuff that the plant needs to work with to actually absorb whatever is in the soil. And so we're left with barren food, basically. Barren soil equals barren food, but that's the full explanation of it. And it can actually get more detailed if you want it, but we don't need to. We mentioned the compost. Two of the components that are going to be in that compost are also the other two things that natural people do to get more nutrients. And anybody who's listening might notice that none of this is, goes on in our, in our food system. You go to the grocery store, all three of these things are completely missing. All we're getting is food, right? We mentioned nutrition. You, that, was your first, that was your only question here. What is nutrition? There's food and then there's micronutrients. We've taken this whole away. All we've got is food left. We need micronutrients as well. And we actually don't need as much food as we think. We need a whole bunch of these micronutrients. But continuing on. When we dammed the rivers, we stopped the floods. We stopped the irrigation. But we also generated electricity. With electricity, we no longer need fire. Fire for heating and cooking, basically. And this is actually goes along with the mainstream theory. The mainstream theory of evolution they talk about this thing called the Great Leap Forward. This is a time when humans very suddenly got super advanced out of nowhere. They said we were just basically apes wandering around, and then all of a sudden we were, we were smart, basically. All of a sudden we were smart, and their explanation for this is fire. A lot of them. There's, there's disagreements, but a lot of them will say it's fire. Now, we say it's not the fire that did it. It's not the cooking of the food that did it. That's part of what they say. They say, well, we could cook food. Now we can eat a bigger variety of food. We can, we, now we can eat tubers and stuff. You can't eat a potato unless you cook it, right? You can't eat wheat unless you cook it. It's, it'll, it's, it'll kill you, you know? So, okay, they say we can cook now, so we're smarter. That's not true. What we believe is since we had fire, we now had wood ash or sea moss ash. We already mentioned sea moss, is, seaweed is going to have all the minerals in it in some concentration. When you burn away the carbon from a plant, all you're left with is the minerals. And there are special type of minerals. They're called plant-derived minerals. We talked about that thing with the roots and the fungus. Well, something even more miraculous happens. This literally is magic. People say, well, how does this happen? It's a miracle of nature. When the root comes in contact with the mineral and the fungus is there pre-digesting it in a way, chemically priming it to be absorbed into the root, it actually changes the mineral. Your mineral might start off as a big clump, or a rock, sand, dirt, whatever. Inorganic is what we would call it. It's usually a big particle, and it's got no electric charge to it. It's dead, right? This is why regular supplements don't work, by the way. This is why your calcium carbonate supplements is not really going to work, because it's, it's an inorganic mineral. But the magic that happens when the, it gets sucked into the root's tissue is that mineral is actually converted to a new form. People have probably heard these words. It could be called colloidal. It could be called ionic, it could be called fulvic, or it could be called organic. People say, what's the difference between an organic and an inorganic mineral? The difference is it's been sucked into a plant. doesn't matter which plant. doesn't matter if it's in the ocean, doesn't matter if it's on land. But it, 
physically changes it, not just chemically, it physically changes it. It turns that mineral, whatever it is, selenium, calcium, iron, whatever, turns it from a rock, an inorganic mineral, into an ionic particle. This is a much smaller particle, and it has an electrical charge to it. It's living. It's living now at this moment. So these plant-derived minerals are actually what we need. This is what we require to function properly. And part of the interesting uh, thing about this is uh, colloidal solutions are very interesting. Just picture it before we move on. If you took a glass of water and you filled it up with sand or rocks or whatever, you find dust, you pound that rock into dust, fill up the bottle of water, shake up the bottle of water, it'll become super cloudy. But leave it on the counter, come back 15, 20 minutes, an hour later, it's all going to be settled to the bottom. All those minerals are going to be settled to the bottom. And you're gonna, it's separated from the water. You've got water on top, minerals on the bottom. But a plant-derived mineral, a colloidal, ionic, fulvic, organic, whatever you want to call it, a plant-derived mineral doesn't do that. It's basically a perpetual motion machine. Since they're charged, all those little tiny particles, first of all, you can fit way more particles in because they're smaller particles. That matters. We'll get to that. But they repel each other, so they don't settle. You can leave your colloidal minerals on the counter for a thousand years. We don't know. It doesn't settle. It's like a fridge magnet. It keeps its energy. You keep the magnet. Does it say how long is it going to stay stuck to the fridge? It'll be there your whole life. You know, it's not going to fall off the fridge. It's going to maintain its energy. It's a, they explain it that all the, all the uh, molecules in the magnet are all lined up one way, whatever. The point is it has an electric charge, and it doesn't lose that charge. And this, this almost contradicts the laws of thermodynamics because they're supposed to lose their energy. But as far as we know, colloidal minerals do not lose their energy. They stay suspended forever, which is very, very cool. And it also means they stay organically viable forever. I mean, you can take 100-year... We sell ancient humic shale, by the way. Humic, fulvic, another word for the same thing. Organic material. It's ancient plant material. We know that it was under, a, it was under an ocean at some point because it has a limestone cap on top of it, our deposit. And that limestone cap is full of seashells. So we know all the minerals are in there. There's at least 77 minerals in there. And the point being, we don't know how old it is because I don't trust radiocarbon dating, but it's probably thousands of years old. So we're, we're drinking thousands of year old plant-derived minerals and they're still organically viable. You put it into water, it stays in suspension, does not matter how old it is, doesn't matter if the plant sucked up that mineral a million years ago, I have no idea. Doesn't matter, it's eternally charged. Very, 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 very cool. So we were talking about ash here. So why is this thing so important? How did, the, how did the great leap forward happen? When humans had fire, they automatically had ash, whether they knew it or not, whether they knew the magic of this or not. They didn't know the magic of it, I promise. But they had about five pounds of wood ash per stove or per fire pit per day. Five pounds, that's a lot. It's a lot of plant-derived minerals. It had to go somewhere. If they were just hanging out at their campsite, their ashes is just going to keep adding up. Most of the time, they would throw them into the garden. Humans somehow stumbled upon and throw it in the garden. They might not even have noticed. It might have happened organically. Maybe they were just throwing it in this one spot, and they noticed that the things that were growing there were better tasting, healthier plants. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know how they stumbled upon it, but somehow human beings got into the habit of taking those ashes, throwing them into the garden. And then once they started composting, because they're in the same place, they got... Again, food scraps and stuff. Humans are generally neat and tidy. 
You know, we, we have habits. We're creatures of habit. Wherever the food scraps go, they go into that one part of the campsite. It just starts to become a pile. And I imagine the, that the ashes started to get thrown into that pile. And now we've got an even more enriched compost heap. And that compost heap, again, it's got all kinds of organic stuff in it. And you have to imagine things like uh, manure and, and leaves. These are already organic, right? A plant sucks up the minerals into the tissues. Whether you burn the carbon away or whether you just let it sit, those minerals are still there. So the compost heap is full of these plant-derived minerals and other organic compounds that make a nice, healthy soil. But they would be throwing ash in there. So they would be getting concentrated plant-derived minerals in their compost. And that compost, again, would go onto the fields, even if it was just a garden, go into the garden or it would go into the actual farm fields. Now, another thing we did with the ash, and people don't know this, if you look at a cookbook prior to 1880 or so, where electro the electric revolution, maybe even through the early 1900s, anywhere in the world, any culture, their recipes called for culinary ash. These are the fine white ashes at the center of the fire pit. All of the other stuff, the, the black soot, the sooty ash around the edges of the fireplace or the stove, whatever it is, that was considered inedible. So they'd take all the, the black ash and they'd put that in the garden, throw it out the window, whatever, in the compost heap. Somehow it's, it's building up around them. But that white ash was a way to cut flour and cut salt. And pretty much every culture in the world, don't want to get into salt yet, but salt is, civilization basically revolves around salt. So salt was very valuable and very expensive. And people would cut their salt with wood ash, up to 10 times as much ash per salt. So one unit of salt, nine or 10 units of wood ash to cut the salt with it. Like a cocaine dealer cuts cocaine, you know, to stretch it out. They'd stretch their salt out with wood ash. They'd also add their ash to whatever they were cooking with flour. Breads, puddings, meatloafs, noodles. You know, the reason why uh, the, the noodles, the rice noodles in Okinawa, the reason they're yellow is because of the ash. And actually in Okinawa, there would be an ash merchant that would come by and buy your extra ash. And they would sell that ash to farmers. We knew, we figured it out that it was a fertilizer. It was a very, very good fertilizer. And it was a free byproduct of our lifestyles. Again, this whole thing, we, we just simply needed heating and cooking. So we just had to burn stuff and we had this ash left over. People figured out how to use it. They figured out how to eat it and they figured out how to add it to their soil and they figured out how to sell it as fertilizer, frankly. So there's a whole economy around ash that basically disappeared when we started damming these rivers. So that was a double whammy. Stopped flooding the fields. I know this is kind of a long explanation, but like this is it. If you understand this, you understand why modern food is different. You understand why we don't have nutrients anymore. So we no longer flood the fields and now we got electricity so we no longer got fire. We no longer need fire. We, don't, we no longer have pounds of wood ashes, pounds of plant-derived minerals every day. And the last major thing that they used is bones. Bones. I'm writing this down so I can follow along myself. Bones. Natural humans eat the entire animal. They eat it snout to tail. They eat the organs. They eat the muscle. Right? We say meat. Meat just means muscle. We never were supposed to only eat the muscle. We, we need to balance these factors out. And that can actually get quite complicated, that explanation of why. But the point is, we, we tried to use all of the animal. I mean, natural humans, they just had to stretch the value from everything that they had, right? They used the skins. They made water bottles out of the skins and shoes and hats and all kinds of stuff. They used the entire animal. They ate the ears. You know, they would boil the hoofs. Right? They would, they would make soups. 
from the bones. They would leach those nutrients out of the bones into soups, which would create broths. Those broths would be used, be eating this stuff all the time. So when they're eating the animal, they're eating the muscle, the organs, and the bones. After the soup, after the, most of the nutrients were left leached out, you know, all the special components of the bone matrix and the bone marrow, you know, they'd eat the bone marrow with a spoon or put it into the dish. Delicacy in pretty much every culture, by the way, it tastes phenomenal as well. Then they've got this, they've still got what's left over of the bone, and they would grind that up. They would grind that up into powder. So when we think of flour-based foods now, bread now is flour plus sugar, maybe an egg, you know, flour, sugar, egg. Well, they didn't have processed sugar back then either. Both of those things required milling, means you'd have to... You'd have to have a, a, a milling machine on a river, right? The river turns this big gear, turns another gear, turns a grinding stone. That's a pretty expensive, complicated setup. One mill would usually serve an entire township. So all the farmers in the township at harvest season, they'd all use that one mill. The point here is that it's a lot of work. If you didn't have a mill, you'd have to pound it by hand, or you'd do it with a draft animal, like a donkey or an ox, right? And the donkey or the ox would just walk around in circles all day, turning a grinding stone, grinding, grinding up the grain or the sugar, whatever it is. But the point is they were limited to how much of this stuff they could consume, these white powders. They were limited to how much of that stuff they could consume based on the, how much they could grow and how much they could mill and how much energy they'd want to put into it. Could you imagine if you had to mill yourself all of the flour that you consume, right? It, it would, you probably wouldn't consume that much flour. Now... In, uh, I'm here in Texas, a homeless person could stand at an intersection in Texas begging for change and they could still afford to eat processed flour and processed sugar three times a day because it's super cheap because this is one of the miracles of modern agriculture that we got this very bad ingredient, very, very cheap. But the point here is that a bread in the old days, it wouldn't be flour plus sugar plus egg. It would be like, instead of it being a cup of flour, in the recipe, it would be like a third cup flour, a third cup bone meal, a third cup wood ash, right? And one of those things is bad, the, the green. The green has problematic proteins in it, especially gluten. It's one of the reasons we recommend avoiding it. But it's got these two awesome ingredients in it, right? These two other ingredients are super nutrient dense. And one of them is pure plant-derived minerals. So you're just beefing up their breads and their puddings and their soups and their, all this stuff with plant-derived minerals. And bones are phenomenal as well. Not only are we made of, like, our bones are made of bones, right? It's, it sounds very simple, but, like, we wonder why we have so many bone diseases in our, in our society. And those nutrients, that nutrient group, the calcium family, we don't like to just call out calcium, but sometimes I do. I don't mean it to sound like it's just calcium. It's, bones are about 65% calcium. There's other minerals in there as well the magnesium, the boron, strontium, key minerals that we require. All these are essential minerals. But there's over 200 diseases in the physician's desk reference that are directly linked to this calcium deficiency, calcium and cofactor deficiency. So we wonder why. We wonder why. Even though we solved this problem a 1,000 years ago in China, by the way, by feeding livestock bones and joints. That's how they did it. They grind up bones and joints. They feed it to their animals so that the animals no longer got bone and joint problems. And so they produce enough eggs and all this stuff. Beyond that, there's 
thousands, probably thousands of different roles that calcium, magnesium, boron, strontium, that they all play in the body. So they're absolutely, absolutely essential. I mentioned all of my list of problems. Those were all in the same category. Those were all calcium deficiency problems. All the muscle problems I had, sleep problems, twitching problems, pain problems, all that stuff, all the exact same category because we don't consume bones anymore. You know, the doctor might tell you, I just eat cheese and dairy and you'll get enough calcium. It's just not true. It's never been true. There's never been a human population anywhere in the world that simply got their nutrients from eating food. And I hope that whole explanation there of those three things that people did, that explains it. Why was there never a human population who could get all their nutrients from food? Because it wasn't possible. They had to have these lifestyle things that gave them more nutrients in the soil in the first place. And then, of course, fortifying their other foods unconsciously, mostly just because ingredients were expensive and they wanted to cut their ingredients with bones and ash because they had bones and ash. It was just a total accident that they were fortifying their foods that way. If you look at our fortified foods, like grains, they'll have inorganic minerals added, right? They'll have the calcium carbonate or the calcium gluconate or whatever. You can assume that that is an inorganic mineral to start with. So we're fortifying it with the minerals that we don't utilize properly. And this was a, this was a fairly lengthy, lengthy explanation there, and I'm going to stop now and give you a chance to jump in. But those three uh, things are key. That's why we don't have nutrients in our food anymore, period. Thank you very much, uh, Ryan. Uh, do we necessarily need to transition so into veganism to become healthier? What is your take on the vegan uh, 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 movement? I mean, the call to go into veganism for, uh, for us to become healthier. Is it true or is it a myth? Well, when we're talking about these longest-lived populations and any natural population, actually, that you want to talk about, none of them are vegan. It's never happened before. Veganism is a very modern thing. You know, the, you're in Africa. There's, there's long-lived tribes out there, like... Uh, uh, the Kung, the Kung, they drink blood, you know, they like blood and, and milk and meat, and they don't even really eat fruits and vegetables, you know, might have some nuts. And we're not saying fruits and vegetables are bad, by the way. We're very strongly believing that we are omnivores. And the funny thing is, in this business, I've been in this business about seven years. Before that, and in the early days, vegetarianism was the thing that people did if they wanted to be health conscious and environmentally conscious they were vegetarian well vegetarians still allowed you to make choices on which animal products you wanted to eat lots of vegetarians would still eat chicken or they'd eat fish or they'd eat eggs you know they'd pick something and that, that's okay it's a, we're omnivores it's okay to be plant-based right the, the term plant-based from my perspective in the business originally meant lots of plants it didn't mean only plants but then it morphed into this pure vegan thing and now actually it's i find it very interesting that now there's this big carnivore carnivore and keto movement coming in now here's the thing anybody who goes pure vegan pure carnivore pure keto they're probably going to see good results short term because they've probably been drinking coca-cola and you know eating pizzas and cheeseburgers and whatever we call it the standard american diet but it's becoming the standard junk diet all over the world so why do people feel better because they get off that stuff right it's not the it's not the vegan diet it's not the carnivore diet it's getting off of the standard diet that makes you feel better getting off of processed food that makes you feel better 
But invariably, all of these diets are going to fail long term. And we know this because we deal with lots of people in this business who've been doing these things long term and they're falling apart. And this is because, as I mentioned, there is no, not none, but there's very few commonalities of the food of the natural longest lived populations. You know, I mentioned the, the Kung, they're drinking blood. That's not something that they all do. I think that's great, by the way, as long as it's a, a blood that we can digest properly. I think that's fantastic. But the point is, there is no diet that can give you all the nutrients. It's not possible. Maybe the exception is pure seafood. But again, I'm going to stop myself because no, the people who survived on seafood also burned the sea moss and the sea weed. And they had that ash, right? So they, they did at least one or two of these other things. And all of the populations that I'm aware of that are heavy seafood, like Japanese, Filipinos, they love eating the bones too. They love eating the bones. One of my favorite dishes is a blood-based dish from the Philippines. You know, it's, anyways, they're not only eating the food. They, it's just not. It, it's not possible to have all the nutrients that we need in food. doesn't matter what the diet is. So a pure vegan diet... You're buying, if you're buying it from the grocery store, you're, you're out of luck. That's just the simple fact. It doesn't matter. You might feel better by not eating the processed foods, but it's not going to be giving you everything you need. And vegan, I'll put them in the same category. Vegan and carnivore, they're just as bad long-term. They both have nutrient deficiencies built into them. Plants, they do make the vitamins, amino acids, and essential fatty acids, but man, without bones, without those bone minerals, bone muscle minerals, you're missing a lot. Animals, eating animals is going to give you a lot more of the B vitamins specifically. B vitamins are key for all kinds of things. You could get the congestive heart failure from thiamine deficiency, one of the B vitamins. Um, a lot of mental disorders like schizophrenia and uh, just mental illness in general, a lot of them are very directly linked to deficiency of B vitamins. So this is going to be something you're going to get a lot of from, uh, from meat. Uh, I don't know if you guys have our energy drinks out there, or, or you know, Monster and yeah, Red Bull energy drinks. Well, we the active that sucks, but the active ingredient in those are usually amino acids, uh, taurine, arginine. Some of these have uh, also other B vitamins as well. Now, the funny thing is, they're marketing these for energy, and people think this means extra energy. It's not true. This is the energy that we're supposed to have because all of those things are essential nutrients. Taurine, arginine, all the B vitamins. Uh, lots of these like wake-up jolts. You buy a little shot, it's a jolt to wake up stuff. It's usually just caffeine and B12. Maybe a couple other B vitamins. right? So we're already supposed to be getting these is the point. And where do you get the most arginine and taurine and creatine? Right? People take creatine to help them build muscle. Where do you get this stuff in nature? Meat. You get it in meat. Right? I believe meat heals, by the way, and I know we don't, we try to stay a little bit away from this because people are so touchy about their food, but we're very, never changed our message that we are omnivores. Human beings are omnivores. We thrive on an omnivorous diet, even though there is anti-nutrients in lots of plants, especially vegetables. We still have magnificent benefits from consuming a variety of foods. Now, the problem with the carnivore particularly, and the keto diet, carnivore and keto, even though they have those nutrients that we just mentioned, like you're going to be getting plenty of B vitamins, plenty of amino acids for sure. If you eat, if you eat meat a couple times a week, you got all your amino acids. As long as you don't have a digestive problem, you're absorbing them, you're good to go on that. But it can get a little bit complicated. When you eat only meat, 
or only organs or both, you are massively increasing your calcium needs. Out of all the 60 essential minerals, they all need to be in, in a very strict balance. There's a little bit of leeway there, but it's pretty strict, the balance that we need. We need, you know, like two parts calcium, one part magnesium. If you take more magnesium, it makes you need more calcium. You need to double up the calcium now to balance that out. This is why people take in magnesium. It'll help them short term. They'll get muscle relief. They'll sleep better, whatever. But they're exacerbating their calcium deficiency. Another very important ratio here is calcium to phosphorus. And I mentioned that phosphorus is part of all fertilizers. So there's some phosphorus in all food, NPK. There's, there's going to be some phosphorus there. But the only time that the perfect balance of calcium and phosphorus exists is in an entire animal. Remember the snout to tail. When a human being eats the entire animal, they are automatically getting the correct balance between calcium and phosphorus. If we're only eating, and a carnivore, could, they could eat the bones, okay, and they would fix this problem for the most part. I still wouldn't recommend it. We still recommend fruits and vegetables. We do. But when we're only eating meat and organs, especially from the grocery store, we're getting a ton of phosphorus and barely any calcium. So we're massively increasing our calcium deficiencies. What's this going to cause? Any one of the over 200 specific diseases directly linked to the calcium deficiency group. So again, people will get short-term results, carnivore, and then they will start to experience symptoms of osteoporosis, the gums falling out, you know, teeth falling out, gums, soreness, uh, joint pain, all kinds of muscle pain, twitching. Again, calcium deficiency problems. So the answer is it doesn't matter what you eat. You have to get the micronutrients. You need the food and you need the micronutrients. And if you choose to avoid an entire group of foods, unless it's grains, because we don't need grains at all, but if you choose to avoid completely fruits, vegetables, or you completely avoid meat, you're going to have a problem. And in any case, no matter what you eat, unless you're doing the fortification of the food, unless you're doing the irrigation, the ash, the bones, something, or supplementing in our modern world, Unless you're doing that, you're going to be deficient in the micronutrients as a guarantee. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Ryan. Uh, let's, uh, let's, destroy, uh, let's discuss our cholesterol. What exactly is cholesterol? Okay. Is it, is it bad? Is it good? What part of it is bad? What part of it is good? What do we need to know about cholesterol? What are the misconceptions surrounding cholesterol? It's probably the most misunderstood molecule, nutritional molecule that there is. So I mentioned to, to be strictly essential, like to be on our 90 essential nutrient list, you can't make it yourself and you get a disease without it. That's the reason why, why cholesterol is not officially on our list, because we can make a little bit of it. Our livers can produce some of it. That also speaks to its importance. Do you think our body would produce something that is bad for us, right? Think about it, you know. Why would our liver go through the trouble of producing something that's bad for us? It produces it because we need it. And so even though it's not strictly technically um, essential, we do consider it essential. It's an essential nutrient. Now, the importance of cholesterol, I'll talk about what causes high cholesterol in the blood. I'll put that, I'll put that aside. Your first question, you know, what does it do? You know, what should we know about it? Cholesterol is excessively important. It's unbelievably important. It's the 
cherry on top of the nutritional cake recipe. Um, cholesterol is considered the master steroid in the body. Cholesterol, it's a steroid. All of our sex hormones are steroid hormones, right? Testosterone, progesterone, estrogen, and even our adrenal hormones, which, you know, we talk about chronic fatigue basically means adrenal fatigue. There's a deficiency of the adrenal hormones. So we require cholesterol to actually make our own hormones. And by the way, you know, this is a tragedy because doctors, the medical establishment prescribes hormone replacements, basically, uh, when it's like your body can produce its own cholesterol right? and your body can produce its own uh, hormones if it has enough cholesterol. So you're making it and you should be eating it and you use that to make vitamin D, you know, in conjunction with the sun, you make vitamin D, an incredibly important fat soluble nutrient. This is the cholesterol is the probably the most important part of the fat soluble group. This is the omegas, vitamin D, E, A and K, DEEK for short, so you remember it. And um, the fat-soluble minerals as well, like selenium I already mentioned is an incredibly important one. Zinc is another fat-soluble nutrient that's incredibly important. Since the pandemic, everyone's talking about zinc and vitamin D these days. Well, if you don't have enough cholesterol, you're not utilizing those nutrients correctly. You can't. You physiologically can't do it. So your sex hormones and, and your adrenal hormones and, and many more hormones are all dependent on this cholesterol system. That's number one. Number two, every cell in our body has a membrane. That membrane is partially made of cholesterol. This is going to be important when I talk about high cholesterol in the blood. The cell membrane is supposed to be, it's supposed to allow things in and out. It's supposed to allow sugar. Cells eat sugar, by the way. When you eat protein, fat, carbs, whatever, your body takes that, breaks it down, turns it into sugar to feed the cells because the cells eat sugar. But also nutrients need to get through the cell membrane Oxygen needs to get through the cell membrane. Waste needs to get out of the cell membrane. Okay. If there's a cholesterol problem, if there's a cholesterol deficiency, or if there's a blood sugar problem, which are caused by other nutrient deficiencies, can be quite complicated. I'm going to put that aside. But if there's a blood sugar problem or cholesterol deficiency, that cell wall, cell membrane, sorry, cell wall is in a plant. The cell membrane hardens up. That cholesterol hardens up. Because cholesterol and the cell membrane, it's supposed to be, again, a, a malleable tissue that allows things to go in and out. So if the membrane hardens up, now it's got a hard time feeding the cells the sugar that it needs. It needs the sugar to keep running the engine, the little cellular engine. This is all of our cells in our body, every single one of them. It needs to, be, it needs to allow nutrients in. It needs to allow oxygen in. It needs to allow waste out. If it hardens up, you can imagine your cells getting loaded up with waste. At the cellular level, this can be causing a, a, an incredibly big problem. This is basically a circulation problem in the cells, right? We talk about circulation problems, and we will with high cholesterol, in the veins and in the arteries, but those are huge compared to the cell itself. So there can be a circulation problem in the cell. Literally, your body is having trouble delivering nutrients and getting rid of waste from the cell itself. That can happen. This is only two parts of the cholesterol so far, sex hormones and the cell membrane. Next is about 70% of the nervous system, 70% of the nervous system by weight, 70% of the weight of our nervous system is made of cholesterol. The nerves themselves are all wrapped in this white sheath called myelin. And uh, look, it's light, light gray, it's not necessarily white. 
myelin. Now, demyelination, this is the primary microscopic symptom of Alzheimer's disease, right? So you can imagine it. You know, I got a wire here for my microphone. What would this wire be without the insulation? It wouldn't be doing its job properly, right? Our nervous system, all of the wires in our nervous system are insulated with pretty much 100% cholesterol. That's why we get the 70% weight because it's not just the wire on the inside, it's the sheath, the protective sheath on the outside that is physically made of cholesterol. So anything that's like MS, ALS, Huntington's disease, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's, all of this stuff has something to do with a lack of cholesterol. And again, it's not just cholesterol. It's because cholesterol is also the most important part of the fat-soluble group. So the selenium, the, the zinc, the omegas, the vitamin D, E, and A, and K. All that stuff falls apart without cholesterol. Your nervous system will start to fall apart without cholesterol. Your cell wall will start to harden up without cholesterol. Your sex hormones won't be producing themselves properly. You'll have low energy chronic fatigue. You probably will be uh, either unable to get pregnant, so infertility, or you'll have miscarriages because of this uh, problem in the fat group. We call these just fatty nutrients or good fats. You asked, is there a difference between good and bad cholesterol? Not really. We consider bad fat to be burned fat, oxidized fat. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I wanted to mention one other thing about cholesterol and why it's so important. So we mentioned that the liver produces cholesterol as well. And we do need a dietary intake on top of that. There's many more sources. I'm getting ahead of myself. There's so many sources. There's so many things that cholesterol does. But there's one other very, very, very important one that it does. Part of the reason that the liver produces cholesterol and part of the reason why we don't agree with people when they say, oh, we produce it, so we don't need to consume it. No, because the reason that the liver produces the cholesterol is for this other major thing that the liver does, which is produce bile salts, bile. It produces the bile, and the liver drops that bile into the gallbladder. The gallbladder is just a sac that holds bile the bile's got enzymes in it and other stuff. The liver's been amazing, by the way, and it does so many things, but this is one of the things that it does. Produces this bile, bile drops into the gallbladder, and the reason for that is after food has been digested, it's been broken down in the stomach in a very acidic environment in the stomach, that food is dropped into the first stage of the intestine, which is called the duodenum or the duodenum drops it in there, it's still highly acidic when it gets dropped into the intestines. The intestines are lined with all these finger-like things called villi. And those finger-like things themselves are covered in microvilli, little, little, little tubes. And they're there to expand the surface area of the intestines because this is the area that nutrients are absorbed into the tissues, into our blood, sorry. So we got all these fingers, they're delicate, they're delicate. And they're delicate by design, by the way. These finger-like things, it's like a shag carpet turned inside out. That's what our intestines look like. And so we've got a whole bunch of surface area for all the nutrients that have come in and been broken down in the stomach. And so now they're to be absorbed there. And there's blood vessels that go really, really tight up close. The skin in the villi is very, very thin because they want the blood vessel to go in the middle of that so that there's not much interference, right? The point of these villi is to come in contact with these nutrients to be absorbed into the blood. So the skin around the villi is way thinner than your actual skin. This stuff is tough. That's not what your, it's not what your intestines are like. Your intestines are delicate. So keep that in mind. 
when the bile, when the food goes into the duodenum, it's met with the bile. And the bile is largely made of cholesterol. This is the point here. This is one of the most important parts of cholesterol. If you don't have enough cholesterol, your body's probably going to be only producing enough for this bile because the bile is so important. What the bile does, first it helps break down that food even more for easier absorption. Small particles are easier absorbed. Remember the whole thing about plant-derived minerals makes the particles smaller and electrically charged. This is where it matters. It matters because small particles are optimally absorbed in the intestines. But without this bile, and if you don't have a gallbladder, it's a big problem. You have to supplement with bile. Because if you don't have the bile there, then that super acidic food stuff, when it hits the duodenum, and when it starts to travel through the intestines, it's going to be burning those delicate tissues, physically burning, scalding them. You can imagine the stomach acid is supposed to be strong enough to digest food to the meat to the bone. If you swallowed it, you bit your finger off and swallowed it, it would digest all that meat down and you'd just be left with bone. That's incredibly acidic. It's one of the most acidic things on earth, stomach acid. So you can imagine if the bile isn't there, the, the bile converts it to alkaline. It's the key. Everybody talks about alkalinity. We're not supposed to absorb acidic food. Doesn't matter if the food itself is acidic. Doesn't matter if it's meat or coffee or alcohol or whatever. It doesn't matter. What matters is the body's chemistry automatically converts all broken down food material to alkaline. As the bile comes in and it converts it to alkaline so that the food now can travel through the intestines and be absorbed nicely without it being scalding, burning the intestines. I hope that makes sense. You can cause an incredible amount of digestive damage if you scald, if you scald the villi. And if you don't have enough cholesterol... You might not have enough bile. You might not have enough cholesterol left over to rebuild your nervous system. You might not have enough cholesterol left over to uh, continue to produce and, and utilize your sex hormones and your energy hormones, basically the adrenal hormones. So that, that's only a brief explanation of how important cholesterol is. And high cholesterol is caused by two things. We already mentioned the blood sugar problem. Beyond the scope of our talk to explain why the cell wall hardens, but suffice to say, that's what happens when you have a blood sugar problem. If you have a blood sugar problem, the cell wall is going to harden up a little, cell membrane is going to harden up a little bit, and it's going to cause ricocheted problems throughout the body. One of the things that does is keep extra sugar in the blood, right? The cell membranes hardened up, the body's trying to feed the cells sugar. If your cell wall is hard, it can't fully get in. Now you got blood sugar, you got sugar trapped in the blood. And you've got elevated blood sugar. One of the first chemical or the first chemical sign of a blood sugar problem is elevated blood cholesterol and triglycerides. We would say that it's the triglycerides that really you want to pay attention to because if you eat a whole bunch of cholesterol, you're going to have what they call high cholesterol. That's not itself a problem, though. The Eskimos, the Inuit up in Canada and such, Greenland, they eat the most cholesterol of anybody on earth. I also mentioned the Kung. They eat a ton of cholesterol as well. They're, they're you know, mostly carnivores, so they're eating tons and tons of cholesterol. They do have high cholesterol, but they don't have heart attacks because heart attacks is not caused by cholesterol. Put that aside. Maybe if you want to write that down, maybe we can talk about heart attacks later, but that's not the problem. High blood cholesterol is not the problem. High blood triglycerides 
can definitely be a big problem. But this, you notice, that's the symptom. The high blood cholesterol and the high triglycerides, that's the symptom of the blood sugar problem. The blood sugar problem is the problem. One of the biggest th problems in the medical world, the mainstream medical world, is that they treat symptoms. You know, you, you, got, a, you got a knee that is hurting you. They want to take the knee out, but the, the knee is the symptom of the problem, right? So when you replace the knee, you don't address the problem at all. The tumor is the symptom of a problem. Take the tumor out, you have not fixed the problem. What caused the tumor? So in this case, elevated blood cholesterol and triglycerides can be caused by two main things. One of them is a blood sugar problem. Trying to deal with the cholesterol is not dealing with the actual problem. And by the way, if somebody takes statin drugs, cholesterol-lowering drugs, they're going to start to fall apart. They're going to start to fall apart really, really quickly. Uh, first, they're going to start to get headaches and migraines and cramping and all, all kinds of things. Menstrual cramps, by the way, this is part of the muscle system. The good fats are part of this. So, you know, these symptoms can start to come, but we basically call Alzheimer's disease a physician-caused disease because you can't really get that level of severe demyelination unless you listen to a doctor, avoid cholesterol, avoid salt, put that aside, you need salt to make the stomach acid that is to, to break these things down. You're supposed to break down cholesterol so you can absorb it. Anyways, and to have a cholesterol-lowering drug is just going to shut down all these systems one by one. You're going to get symptoms in these problems one by one, so we don't recommend that. Now, the other major thing that can cause the elevated blood cholesterol, and that can actually kill you very quickly from congestive, uh, not congestive heart failure, but um, congested arteries, right? Blockages in the arteries. Now, you mentioned that I was trained by Dr. Wallach. Not everyone will know who Dr. Wallach is here, but he was a comparative pathologist first before... Uh, becoming a, a human doctor. He's, a, he's got a degree in agriculture, he's got a degree in comparative pathology, and he's got a degree in veterinary medicine, as well as a naturopathic physician degree later in life. But he started in animals. And he started do, doing autopsies. That's what pathology is. And he's a comparative pathologist, so this means he's done autopsies on many, many different species of animals. Over 450 species of animals. He's done tens of thousands of autopsies for comparative purposes. And he actually did, I believe it's the largest comparative pathology study ever done. For the NIH, it took almost two decades to do. And point of the story is here. At one point, I think this is how he learned about it. This would have been in the 60s or something, you know, maybe like 1971, 50 plus years ago. He had two dead Atlas sheep from Morocco, Atlas sheep. And they had only been in America a couple of months, and they died only a few days apart. And when he autopsied them, he found that their coronary arteries, their heart arteries, were blocked 98%. And that's what killed them. Blocked arteries killed them. And the way he tells the story, he said, I had to step back because these sheep were not eating cholesterol. Sheep don't eat cholesterol. On the recipe of the food that they were eating, which is grains, they didn't add oils to them. So where, where, where did the oil come from? What, what, what happened here? His explanation was that those grains were oxidized. They were old. They were rancid. If you look in a biochemistry textbook, oxidized oil means rancid. There's oil in all tissues in nature. I'm blasting you with information here, I know. But hopefully people can watch this twice and, and thoroughly understand it. Because this is almost everything you need to know about health, frankly. So there's oil in all tissues in nature. 
There's oil in every leaf. There's oil in every fruit. There's oil in every vegetable. There's oil in fish. There's oil in meat. There's oil everywhere. You want to press out the oil, you'll get oil. Oil is protected from oxidation. It's protected from becoming rancid by the skin or the peel or the shell. This is one of nature's magic things that it does. It protects itself from oxidation. Once we puncture that shell or peel or whatever, once we separate the oil out, it starts to oxidize very quickly. You notice this if you cut an apple open, cut an apple in half, leave it on your counter, it's going to start to turn brown within minutes. Within minutes. That is the oil oxidizing. You can see it in real time. Uh, coconut. I lived in the tropics for a while. We knew that we had to go get the coconuts off the tree. Because if you waited for it to hit the ground, unless you saw it, you saw it drop and you run over and you go grab it right now, the coconut's probably going to crack when it hits the ground. And within minutes, it's got bugs in it and it started to oxidize. You pull, pull open it, the coconut meat has started to turn brown. It's oxidizing rapidly. This is what happens in nature. And the more time and the more heat that's involved, the faster the oxidation happens. So this oxidized oil attacks our tissues. I'm getting, getting to why this blocks the arteries. And this is, why, this is on our bad food list. No oils, no deep fried food, no well done red meat, same thing. Why? Because these are all free radicals. These are sources of free radicals. A free radical is an oxygen particle that has too many or not enough uh, bonds, electrons, basically. This is I don't know how much of the uh, official chemistry is true or not, but we describe it as a radical particle that wants to bond with something. So a free, an oxidized particle is something that is needing to bond. It's, it's hungry to bond. Both uh, oxygen and hydrogen, these are very, very hungry molecules. They always want to bond with stuff. There's basically no such thing as pure water in nature. There's no such thing as H2O in nature, basically, because both H and O both want to bond with everything they touch, right? This is why spring water is full of minerals and all this stuff. The water wants to bond with things. And when oxygen is a free radical, when something has been oxidized, and these, the oxygen molecules that are involved have one less or one too many bonds, they want to bond. Now, if they do that in your veins, they're causing damage causing damage to the veins. The cholesterol, it's like, the cholesterol is like the putty, drywall putty. You punch a hole through the drywall, there's a hole in the drywall, you use putty to patch up that. So when you're consuming lots of oxidized oils, it's damaging the insides of the tissues, and the body's calling in cholesterol. It's another one of the, the amazing roles of cholesterol, that it's actually the healing molecule. It's the growth molecule. It's the healing molecule. So when you've got damage in the body, your body's going to call in cholesterol to come and patch that up. So you can imagine, how do, how do sheep in a couple of months get 98% blockage of their artery while they were eating oxidized grains? And they had to do that whole explanation of why were they oxidized? Because there's oil in all tissues in nature, including grains and peanuts and, and whatever it is that they're feeding these animals. If you leave them in a hot barrel... They're going to oxidize. So you can smell it too. You can go to a, a bulk food store and smell the nuts. Do they smell weird? That's oxidized. Feeding these animals oxidized grains block their arteries up 
Those are the only two major factors when it comes to majorly high cholesterol or, or when cholesterol is a problem. We mentioned there's no such thing as good and bad cholesterol. There's good fats and there's oxidized fats, basically. So if you burn your fats, if you burn any animal fats, you have red meat that's cooked beyond medium rare or beyond stewing temperature, it creates so much of these free radicals that it causes damage in our tissues, particularly in our veins. Remember, how are these nutrients absorbed? They go into the stomach, they go into the intestines, and then they're absorbed into the blood. So if we've got free radicals being absorbed into the blood, where is it going to cause the problem? In the tunnels that the bloods flow through, which is veins, arteries, vessels, all different names for different sizes of veins. An artery is just a big vein, a vessel or a micro vessel. These are just very small veins, basically. So I want to mention one more thing here, because this is like, once you get this, you get it. Free radicals, free oxygen radicals. Why are antioxidants good for us? Because they mitigate free radicals. Now, I can't mention free radicals without mentioning that we produce free radicals as a natural consequence of, burnt, of expending energy. When we breathe, we produce free radicals. When we exercise, we produce even more free radicals. When we digest food, we produce free radicals. When we breathe car exhaust, and in the modern world, this is why we have more free radicals, not just from our food, from our exhaust fumes, uh, from heaters, heating systems, industrial stuff. These are all free radicals in the environment. This is why we need antioxidants to clean these up. Natural, those natural people that we talked about, they already get a lot of antioxidants. Excuse me. They already get a lot of antioxidants. We need even more because we have even more exposure. And this is why we recommend don't consume free radicals on purpose. You're already producing some free radicals. And this is one of the reasons that low calorie, all those longest lived populations, they all live low calorie by accident, usually not on purpose. They don't eat that much food. The more food you eat, the more free radicals that you produce. Several of the essential nutrients themselves are antioxidants. They have other roles in the body. We already mentioned selenium and zinc. Those are two incredibly important essential minerals. They're also antioxidants. I, I know I'm going deep here. I know I'm going deep, but I'm, I'm still going. I'm keeping going. There is an antioxidant that we produce in our body. It's called glutathione. There's a lot of alternative people out there that say, hey, consume glutathione. We're saying... That's silly. You produce glutathione in almost every cell in your body. This is what we would call the master antioxidant. Glutathione, chemically, in the textbook, does not work without selenium. We need selenium in order to utilize glutathione. It's crazy. So we already have, this is, this is part of why all this stuff is essential. We make an antioxidant. The antioxidant's job is to deal with the free radical particles that we are guaranteed to have every time we breathe you go for a run you just produce more you go you eat you just produce more stand by the fire pit you're breathing in free radicals but almost all the cells in our body already are producing an antioxidant but we need this essential mineral as a cofactor to utilize glutathione to go and neutralize a whole bunch of antioxidants my last point here and i'm going to stop one of the reasons why liquid oils cooking oils deep fried food especially, burnt animal fats. One of the reasons why these are so bad is because of quantity. 
is a quantitative thing. If you have one free radical in your system, you, you couldn't even measure the difference. It would do nothing. It's one free radical. It doesn't mean anything. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you have a whole bunch of free radicals, now you need a whole bunch of antioxidants to deal with it. But there's a limit that we can do. Our body cannot physically deal with the quantities of free radicals that are involved in liquid oils. There's just too much. It's literally like putting your mouth on the exhaust pipe of the car and breathing it directly rather than just getting a little bit. Now, the reason I said that with the exhaust is because one of the reasons why smoke is bad is because of free radicals. There's free radicals in smoke. There's some chemicals as well, but the, the end result is free radical damage in the tissues. But if you smoked a cigarette under a fume hood, and collected that smoke and compressed it down and weighed it, it weighs almost nothing. One teaspoon of oil, one deep fried French fry, this is basically all free radicals. One teaspoon of oil, one French fry soaked in oil, weighs more than several cartons worth of cigarettes smoke. The smoke itself doesn't weigh very much. You can smoke a whole carton. I'm not, tell, I'm not recommending smoking a whole carton, but I'm saying you physically couldn't smoke as much as you can consume in one French fry. You couldn't do it. You can't smoke a carton in a day. I don't care who you are. You have to have five cigarettes in your mouth, breathing them the whole time. You'd have to have cigarettes in your nose, one cigarette up your butt, getting them all into your system all at the same time, and you still wouldn't get as much free radicals as you would get from one soaking wet French fry. This is, this is why deep fried food kills people. This is why there's a 20-year difference in longevity in America. People in the South, in the Southeast, the Old South, they eat deep-fried food more than anyone else, and they die of heart disease, clogged arteries, all this stuff. And the people in the Northwest who still stew and boil and bake their food primarily, they live 20 years longer in the same country with the same food system and the same grocery stores and the same pharmaceuticals and the same hospitals and the same bad advice from the medical system. And they live 20 years longer because they don't deep fry their food. And this is the reason why. It's quantitative. We couldn't physically consume enough antioxidants to deal with the french fries or the you know deep fried whatever deep fried mars bars that they got there so that that was quite a rant there that was quite a rant there but you wanted to know about cholesterol now you know about cholesterol and free radicals and antioxidants thank you Ryan. interest i think we may have to have a different section where we get to discuss here okay. because this information right here is loaded 
all right? And I want to be able to give opportunities to people to come on and ask you questions. But before we do that, let me touch on obesity. What exactly is obesity? What is it and what is it not, right? Because um, I was looking up a research and then it says about uh, uh, about 42% of um, adult Americans are battling with um, obesity and overweight. So what are the factors or the cause of obesity? What is it? Because I'm saying, what are the misconceptions that we have uh, around obesity? Well, probably the biggest misconception is that it has uh, anything to do with exercise. Before I got into the health business, many years ago, I, I worked at a gym just by accident. I worked there for four years. I don't know. I didn't think it had anything to do with, you know, my life's journey. I wasn't planning on getting into health, like I said. I just happened to work at a gym. And there, I knew that there was people there for, I was there long enough, I was there four years, that there was people there when I started who were still there when I left and hadn't lost a pound. Most of them had gained weight. And they come in every day, diligently, and they run on the treadmill, even do the weight training. Now, in the gym, there's all kinds of myths about nutrition. They would say, well, you got to build muscle because the muscle eats the fat. That's a misconception as well. Maybe it's true to some degree, but the fat isn't caused by a muscle deficiency, is my point. And the fat is not caused by an exercise deficiency either. I'm slim. You can see I'm slim. I don't work out. Sometimes my wife makes me work out, but it's nothing to do with exercise, basically. If you are eating properly, you're not eating the bad foods that we say, especially the gluten. Gluten is going to be mentioned the whole thing about the, uh, this goes to obesity. We mentioned the villi. One of the things that gluten does is it inflames those villi. So there's less surface area for absorption. And if you can't absorb nutrients properly, you're going to get a nutrient deficiency. One of the things that a nutrient deficiency will cause is hunger, hunger. Okay. All of the minerals, any mineral, if you're deficient in any mineral, including salt would be the, probably the most important one. If you're deficient in any mineral, you're going to get a craving. Any mineral deficiency will cause a craving. Some of them are more important than others, particularly salt and iron, calcium, some of these major ones. That's why we recommend all 90 essential nutrients, by the way, and using enough salt. In animals, we have a different word for it. In humans, we call it the munchies. In animals, we call it pica, and it's actually a disease. Pica is a disease name. Yeah. Cribbing is the action that an animal does when it has pica. If an animal has pica, it's going to be cribbing, meaning it's going to be biting, eating, chewing the cage that it's in, the wooden cage. It'll eat leather gloves that the farmer leaves around. It'll eat the tools on hand. It'll eat the handle on tools. They'll chew on each other's horns. They'll chew on bones that are just lying around the fields. Uh, they'll also they'll try and eat little birds and stuff like that. They'll be foraging for minerals. They'll eat clay. They'll eat dirt. They'll eat the feed box instead of the feed because they're starving for minerals. In the American South, by the way, they sell clay in the grocery store and it's marketed for pregnant women who are experiencing cravings. Pregnant women are famous for experiencing cravings. Why? Because they have more nutrient demands at that time. So what is obesity? People blame it on the food and they blame it on a lack of exercise. But a hundred years now, we've been promoting this uh, idea of eat less and exercise more. And it it hasn't done anything for obesity because obesity is not caused by food. Well, it, it, it is. It's, eating the food is the symptom here. Just like tumor is the symptom of the problem, it's not the problem itself. The cravings are the symptom of the problem. The cravings are the symptom of pica. 
When animals do this, by the way, we give them a, mineral, a trace mineral salt block and they stop. They stop basically overnight. You give them a trace mineral salt block, they'll lick until their heart is content and they will now just eat the food and eat the grass and they'll no longer eat each other's horns and stuff like that. They'll stop the cribbing, they will no longer have pica. Now human beings, we call it the munchies and instead of giving ourselves a trace mineral salt block, it's not what I'm recommending, don't give your children a, a salt lick, but like it would probably help, you know. Give them enough salt, make sure they get all of the essential minerals or at least most of them covered and you're not uh, eating the junk food that exacerbates all this. When humans have this pica, they have this mineral deficiency, they're gonna be craving, they got cravings, they got the munchies, and instead of doing the salt block, which again, that's kind of a joke, but instead of getting salt, instead of getting minerals, they eat Twinkies, they drink soda, they eat chips, you know, they, it almost doesn't even matter what they eat, they're eating too much food. There is a balance here, we're not supposed to have too many calories, you eat too many calories, you gain weight. But again, it's the, the eating is the symptom of the problem, it's not the problem itself. So your body is being smart by telling you, hey, I'm hungry, right? But we, we haven't been trained like livestock. We do this, by the way, if you message us, we always give people what we call a salt flush, which is just a really salty glass of water. One of the things it should do immediately is get rid of your cravings, get rid of a lot of your cravings. People say, well, I get hungry at night, what do I do? Go for minerals and protein instead of carbs and sugar. If you eat carbs and sugar, you're gonna get fat, basically. You know, and you're going to be damaging your intestines further, inflaming the intestines. That's what gluten does. It's going to be inflaming the intestines, the villi, damaging the intestines over time, turning them into scar tissue. So now you can absorb even less nutrients. And your the wisdom of the body is going to keep you hungry. With nutrient deficiencies, cause hunger. Why? Because your body wants nutrients. We already mentioned it doesn't need that much food. It needs a lot of nutrients, a lot of micronutrients. All those long-lived populations don't eat very much food. And they don't have many foods in common, but they do get lots of micronutrients, so they shouldn't be craving all the time. Most of the time, I only eat once a day. Most of us only eat once a day. It's called intermittent fasting, but we don't do it on purpose, just by accident, because we're topped up on all the nutrients, and we're not that hungry all the time. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it, by the way. Uh, too much food. Too much food caused by hunger, hunger caused by nutrient deficiencies. And instead of recognizing that... Like right now, you see me drinking, this is salty water, just lightly salted, salted just enough so I can taste it. Obviously, when you go on these rants, you get thirsty too, I need to clear my throat, but if this was just water, I would be depleting my salt. I would be depleting my electrolytes, my electrolyte nutrients. You need, this needs to be in balance, just like calcium and phosphorus. Water needs to be water plus electrolytes. You have too much water, you need more electrolytes. If you, if you drink a bunch of salt, you're going to get thirstier, right? These, you need to be in balance with this, and you need to be on top of this. And just like this, the cow is licking the salt lick, you don't need to tell it how much to lick. It knows how much to lick. And if it's a super hot day out there, it's going to lick a little bit more. And if it drinks too much water, it's going to go back over to the salt lick and balance it. You need to be in balance. The easiest way to do this is to salt everything to taste. It's just the point where you can taste it. And it's different for you than it is for me. And tomorrow, it's going to be different than today. It's hot out today. It wasn't that hot out yesterday. I probably need a little bit more salt and water today. You're just going to keep it in balance. And the point is, when we don't do that, and your body's going to still crave the salt. What do you find salt in in the modern food world? 
junk food, basically. Natural sure. food doesn't really have much salt on it. Seafood does, uh, you know, you need to put salt on food, basically. Civilization practically revolves around salt, salt cultivation, salt production. And uh, with the exception of the people who live primarily from the sea, there was no culture on earth that ever could have survived for very long without a strong source of salt. Without that, all we have is chips and chocolate bars. Candy bars are full of salt, right? Read the labels. Candy bars are full of salt. Soda's full of salt. You know, people think they're craving the sugar. You're not craving the sugar. You're craving the salt. And so when we only know about junk food, the wisdom of your body is going to tell you what it knows. If you've only ever given it potato chips and, and soda, when your body needs salt, it's going to tell you, go buy potato chips. Go eat the McDonald's cheeseburger. Loaded with salt, right? And it needs to be loaded with salt. Even the, the sugary sauces, right? They put more salt in it and they put more sugar in it. By the way, um, the, too much sugar is very easily a turnoff. So they put a ton of sugar in it because sugar is addictive. They put a ton of sugar in it and they put salt in it to balance out the sugar. Because you put a little bit more salt in it, you can't taste the sugar as strongly. And so you end up with a lot of sugar and a lot of salt. So if you eat a lot of sugar, it's going to help you gain weight. It's, it's not good for us to eat a lot of sugar. It's good for us to eat a lot of carbs. Sugar is a carb. Same thing, right? So if you only ate lettuce, you're not going to gain weight. By the way, a lot of these people have this problem, this pica problem, this craving problem, but they don't eat carbs. So they're not going to gain weight, but they're still going to have the same problem. They're still going to have the same ultimate mineral deficiency problems. Uh, we've all heard of children who eat light bulbs, right? They make it into the newspapers. Oh, this child is eating light bulbs. Well, the body is smarter than we are. The body is going to try and find minerals anywhere, whether it's paint chips, kitty litter, right? Kids can go out into the sandbox and eat the dirt, eat the clay uh, around a riverbank, you know? Again, kitty litter, like kids will eat kitty litter. You know, they, they might be embarrassed about it, and sometimes it makes the newspapers, and we, we consider it a, an oddity. It's not an oddity. It's a human body desperate for minerals. And so if you, if you eat kitty litter, you're not going to gain weight, right? But if you eat Twinkies and pizzas and pies and sodas and all the stuff, you are satisfying the salt craving that your body is demanding. You just happen to be doing it in a way that is also a vessel containing sugar and carbs as well. This is obesity. This is what causes obesity. If all we did was top up all of our nutrients and teach everybody about the proper use of salt with real food, obesity would disappear very, very quickly. Wow. Interesting. Thank you so much, Brian. Uh, okay. Um, I think I might just do two more questions before we take questions from the people, so I don't take all of your time. And uh, hopefully we can have another time with you this week or who knows when, where we can get to discuss uh, EMF. And one of the questions is anxiety. What exactly is anxiety? What leads to it? How can it be fixed? Does it have anything to do with nutrition? Does it have anything to do with what does it have something to do with? Go ahead. Well, we do live in a very unnatural society that is very stressful. So, you know, I recognize that there are mental components, like there are conscious components to anxiety. But... To us, there's only four categories of disease. If you ask us, there's only four categories of disease. One of them is blood sugar. It's a big one. I'm working on a book right now to explain all this because it is kind of complicated, but we actually covered a lot of it already. Anxiety and depression and pretty much any mood disorder, 
bipolar, ADD, ADHD, even autism. Uh, I would also put schizophrenia in that category. Pretty much, pretty much any behavioral problem, manic depressive problem, uh, anxiety, of course. All of this is in the blood sugar category to me. To have healthy blood sugar, you need to not eat those bad foods and you need to have all of, all of the essential nutrients. Particularly, a lot of people don't know this, but in 1957, in the agricultural world, officially, we ended blood sugar problems in animals. Every vertebrate can get a blood sugar problem. Every vertebrate can be born with type 1 diabetes, which is a birth defect. But every vertebrate can also get type 2 diabetes. And type 2 diabetes is only the extreme end of it. Like I mentioned at the beginning, now they're saying a third of the American population has pre-diabetes. Right? So this is a spectrum problem. And it has to do with nutrient deficiencies. But we eliminated this in 1957 in the animal world. This is in zoos, pets, livestock. We eliminated it. It's not a problem anymore because we just give them all their essential nutrients in their foods, in their pellets. If you read the label on your dog food or cat food or rabbit pellets, bird pellets, laboratory mouse pellets, your fish food probably has more nutrients in it than the baby food. It's incredible because by law, all animal foods have, have to have a baseline of essential nutrients in it. They have to have enough essential nutrients to not get a disease, at minimum. Uh, maybe it's the regulations are not the same in every country, but in America, in Canada, and you know, the Western world, they have to have all of the nutrients that the dog needs to not get diabetes. If you feed the dog human food, it's going to get human diseases. This is the reason. Because basically every disease is a nutrient deficiency disease at the bottom line, including blood sugar problems. Even though there's food components, if you eat the gluten and grains and it damages the intestines, okay, it's going to cause a problem. If you eat too much sugar, it's going to cause a problem. Let me explain why. Because to metabolize sugar, we need nutrients. When we eat more sugar, we need more nutrients. This exact same thing has come up like three to four times now, right? You eat more phosphorus, now you need more calcium. If you only drink water, now you need more salt. Everything is in balance. It's supposed to be in balance. So when we consume, and I mentioned earlier, those natural people, that's what we started with. They didn't have much sugar. They have to mill the sugar. They have to, they have to till the fields, farm the fields, keep the pests away from the fields. They have to harvest the crops. They have to take those crops to a mill. They have to mill those crops. And only then can they get the powdered product that they can then use to eat with. And that includes grains and that includes sugars as well. So those were just scarce ingredients you'd have to work very hard for. And they'd be quite expensive uh, to put all this energy and stuff in to get these things. So th these things were scarce and that was fine. You know, the, the, even though we're against gluten, several of the longest of populations do eat gluten. They just don't eat that much. And it's a different plant that that's, hasn't been genetically modified. So it has this long story, long story. It's a different plant, but regardless... We eat more sugar now than we ever did before. Various estimates between four or eight times as much now as we did 100 years ago. And I've seen estimates over 300 times as much. So if we are already nutrient deficient because we don't irrigate fields, because we don't use wood ash anymore, because we don't use bone meal anymore, so we're mineral deficient very fundamentally, we already needed those minerals. There's some key ones there, a key group of them. And they're mostly trace minerals, so they're not uniformly in, in the food supply at all by any means, but we're already deficient in them. We need those nutrients to metabolize sugar correctly, and now we've introduced 4, 8, 10, 20 times more sugar. 
we suddenly need four, eight, 10, 20 times more of that nutrient and it ain't there. So this is where you get diabetes. Diabetes is caused by this mineral deficiency and the mineral deficiency is exacerbated by more sugar, right? More sugar, more carbs, more barren food, basically. We eat more of this stuff, we need more of this stuff, but it ain't there. So we got diabetes, so we got anxiety, so we got PTSD, right? Just like the athletes who tear their ACL, we're not blaming soccer. We're not blaming basketball. We're blaming a deficiency in the nutrients that make up the joints. They're deficient, the bodies are weaker, they're just more susceptible to injury. And it's the same here. It's not the sugar's problem. Like I said, your cells eat sugar. Your cells need sugar. Anything you eat, your body will go through effort to turn that into sugar to feed the cells. But this is a balance that we have just let go of, right? We're only supposed to have a little bit of this natural sugar, and then our body takes all the other stuff, the proteins and the fats, and it turns it into sugar as well. But we always needed the nutrients to metabolize it, and very simply, they just ain't there. So uh, PTSD, like I was saying, uh, trauma is not new to this world by any means, right? People have experienced wars and famines and rapes and everybody, your parents are going to die, you know, like this, you're going to experience sadness and trauma and all this stuff. It's a natural part of life. But now we have PTSD as a brand new problem. Why? Because we put it in the same blood sugar category. It's not the trauma. And this goes for anxiety as well. Yes, the modern world is more stressful than it needs to be, but we can also be largely in control of that. There's lots of mental techniques that we can use to shut off our bad thoughts and, you know, replace them with good thoughts. We can deep breathe and relax ourselves. We can quit the stressful job. You know, if we live in a stressful place, you can move. You're not a tree. You're not stuck there. And stress is not new, right? We need stress. Stress gets us out of bed in the morning. Stress, we run away from the lion or whatever. You know, we need, to, we need stress to address threats. We probably wouldn't do anything without stress. So stress is a natural part of life. Uh, stress is not new. And even though our modern world is quite stressful, I imagine we'd be pretty stressed 200 years ago the way they describe it as well. You know, guys like you and I would probably uh, be drafted into the military and fighting in World War II a couple of generations yeah. ago, right? We wouldn't even have a choice. You think that's stressful? I think that's pretty freaking stressful. Right? But those soldiers who came back from World War I and II in the trenches, you know, in, in horrible conditions, from what I can tell from reading about it, they didn't have PTSD. PTSD is a modern thing because the modern world is so catastrophically deficient that these problems are simply rampant. Like we said at the beginning, practically everyone has some problem. And the blood sugar problem is going to be one of those first things. This is why I'm writing a book on this right now, because this is like one of the problems that's plaguing society and it's not just diabetes and you know the weight gain that's associated with it and the circulation problems that are associated with the blood sugar problem we mentioned the hardening of the cell membrane this causes a circulation problem this is why people with blood sugar problems get gangrene in their legs neuropathy it's called right uh, basically choked out veins where does it show up first in the tiny veins it shows up in numb fingers and toes, neuropathy, pain, tingling. This is a circulation problem. It shows up in the eyes. People go blind because the eyes is full of tiny, tiny little veins. So these problems are rampant. Um, eyes degenerating later in life, probably mostly due to this blood sugar problem and the damage from oxidation. Double whammy problems, same problem, same problem caused by a food system that doesn't have enough nutrients in it to compensate for it. And to us, 
anxiety, depression, PTSD, autism, ADHD, ADD, bipolar, manic depressive disorder. It's literally all the exact same thing. There is a little bit of, the, of life stuff that contributes to it, but the bottom line is it's a nutrient deficiency. And, you know, uh, it's worth saying that I myself was chronically depressed for my entire life up until only a few years ago, until I finally got a hold of this, where I could finally say, wow, you know, those books were right. There really is a light on the other side of this. You know, I, I literally, I thought I would be depressed my entire life. And it turns out it, I just needed to get hold of my blood sugar problem. And for a lot of people, this can be the biggest thing. Uh, I know, I'll, I'll wrap this up, we'll get to some questions, but I read so many of these self-help books trying to get myself out of depression. And I thought so many of them were, were just like, um, it almost made me angry because they're like, oh, you just, you just need to replace your bad thoughts with your good thoughts. And, and I'm like, no, nah, there's more to it. There's something fundamental going on here. There's a fundamental darkness hanging over me. There's a cloud that I just can't shake. What is it? In my life, it was blood sugar problem. Top yourself up on the nutrients. Get off of the sugar. Last thought here, by the way, processed sugar, I consider it an addiction. If you want to break the addiction, you need to go cold turkey. Don't bother weaning off of it. Same with alcohol, by the way, I consider alcohol, alcohol alcoholism, alcoholics, I consider them just addicted to the sugar. They need, alcoholics, they, it's dangerous if they just drop it. Honestly, in my opinion, it's not as bad. Switch to candy bars for a minute. Switch to dried dates and figs for a minute. Wean yourself down off of the sugar because the body's literally running off the sugar instead of running off of the natural metabolism of the cells. We mentioned that energy drinks have these nutrients in them that are essential nutrients, and they say this is for energy. It is for energy. We're supposed to get energy from vitamins, amino acids, minerals, essential fatty acids. When we get proper nutrition, we're supposed to have proper energy, and we're supposed to have proper blood sugar metabolism, and these problems should very simply disappear. And if you are addicted to sugar, I would just drop it cold turkey. If you two weeks, it takes about two weeks to completely break the addiction. Might be a little bit longer. Might go through withdrawals in that period. Again, if you've been addicted to candy bars or soda, you might switch to dried fruits for a little while. I mentioned dry because they're higher glycemic. They actually they they spike the blood sugar more than regular fruits, and they're cheap and they're abundant. You can get them anywhere. I love dates and figs particularly because they don't have um, preservatives and because I love the taste. Add a little bit of butter or another fat. I love butter. Salted butter even better. Remember I mentioned that sugar cravings, you can trick that. Well, actually, you're being tricked. You can give your body the minerals and the protein instead. And the butter, by the way, it's a, it mitigates some of this. So the, the glycemic spike, the spike in blood sugar that you can get from dried fruits, adding some butter and some salt should lessen that. The spike should be less. But either way, if you're addicted to candy bars, get off of it. Switch to dried fruits for a while instead. Wean down too because you shouldn't be eating that many of them, but it's better than candy bars. Same with the alcoholics. Better than alcohol, switch to candy bars or switch to, uh, switch to dried fruits or something that's much, much better because then at least you're not getting the double whammy of being consuming alcohol at the same time as consuming the sugar, right? At least you're dropping one of those. Now you deal with just the sugar problem. Wean it down. Should no longer be addicted to sugar anymore. It's going to be one of the main things to get a hold of a blood sugar problem. Make sure you're gluten-free. If you're even more serious, go completely grain-free for a while. You can eat rice, so it's fine, but it's not going to be helping. What is going to be helping is eating more protein. Stop basing meals on carbs and sugar. 
eat more protein. Stop using sauces from the grocery store. Let me plug the food account that we have at Notice Foods here. Um, I don't want to type it in enough time. When we post this later, I'll put the at Notice Foods. We created this food account literally just to teach you how to eat without these foods, without oil, without gluten. You can still have some sugar. You'll notice on that page, Notice Foods, N-O-T-U-S, by the way, not us, foods. YouTube as well, Notice Foods. You'll notice we still show you how to make treats that are gluten-free because you can have some sugar. This whole thing is quantitative. People ask all the time, should I, should I replace sugar with agave syrup or whatever, maple syrup or honey? And I'm saying if you're putting sugar in your coffee every day, stop that. That's the problem. It's a quantitative problem. Sugar is not the problem. It's the quantity of sugar that's the problem. So we can teach you how to make treats and all the stuff. Our, our mission has been to literally cook everything that people ask. You know, people say, well, I love pizza. Okay, we're going to make pizza. We'll show you how to make pizza without gluten. Oh, I love craft Dinner. I don't, I don't know if you guys have craft Dinner there. It's this stupid, cheesy noodle thing in a box that people eat in America and Canada. Okay, we'll make that homemade without the crap in it. Show you how to do that. Same thing. You want to make cookies. You want to make cakes. You want to make... I love butter tarts. I haven't had butter tarts in years. They're called pecan pie in most of the world. I love that. I want to... I haven't done it yet. We're going to make it just to prove that we can make anything that we name without the bad foods. But if you eat that stuff every day, if you go and buy gluten-free cookies every day, it's going to be a problem. So I was a little bit of a rant, but basically the longer... Because we always give this short answer. Our short answer is get off the bad foods, get on the 90 essential nutrients. Well, that doesn't help you that much if you don't understand this. Right? This is why. This is why you need to be off the bad foods. This is why you need these nutrients. And hopefully we can fill in the gaps and show you how to actually do this practically. That's why we made the food account for it. All right, Ryan. Thank you. Um, just one last question from me is uh, insomnia. All right. What are the cause? and how can we face it? What needs to be done to face people that are dealing with insomnia? Okay, well, insomnia itself, strictly at the bottom line, is a mineral deficiency. I had insomnia. I had it for 25 years. Just like I also had muscle problems, bone problems, twitching problems, all the same thing. It's all that same, the bone joint group, the bone and joint group of minerals. We talked at length, people used to use bones and ash and irrigate their fields. One of the main minerals that would be coming in from that irrigation, by the way, is the calcium group. Limestone is made of calcium. Water is grinding up this limestone. It's going to be depositing this calcium onto the field. The fields are now calcium rich. You need calcium and magnesium in balance once again. You need a little bit more calcium than you do magnesium. Calcium is responsible for all muscle contractions. Magnesium is responsible for all muscle relaxations. This is also why blood pressure problems are mostly calcium deficiency problems. Could be caused by the cholesterol in the blood. We already talked about that. But blood pressure is governed by muscles. The heart is a muscle. Your heart could stop if it doesn't have enough of these nutrients. You need the calcium to, to contract, magnesium to relax. It's in balance all the time. Every single time any one of your muscles move, it uses some calcium, uses some magnesium. Boom, calcium, magnesium, calcium, magnesium. Constantly doing this. Sleep is basically a relaxation thing. Your muscles need to relax in order to sleep. This is why people get benefits from taking magnesium. Again, we don't recommend taking just magnesium because you exacerbate a calcium deficiency. Don't mean to make this so complicated. I know you guys are in Africa. You might not be able to afford our products. We're going to get them there. 
but you might not be able to afford them. Go find bone meal. Go find bone meal. If you're cooking lamb, if you're cooking cow, if you're cooking chicken, you can eat almost the whole chicken with just your teeth. You, almost everything except for the, the middle of the biggest bones. You can eat the ends off the bones. You can eat the spine with it. Just by cooking, you can chew it. Get more of these bone and joint minerals. It should help you sleep a lot. Get off the sugar because often insomnia is confused for another sleep problem. Like uh, oh. blood sugar problems cause multiple sleep problems, by the way, that can be confused for insomnia. Someone might think it's insomnia, but actually they're getting to sleep fine, but they're waking up in the middle of the night to urinate. That's a blood sugar problem. Narcolepsy, falling asleep randomly. That's a blood sugar problem. Bedwetting, that's a blood sugar problem. Teeth grinding at night, that's a blood sugar problem. Um, night sweats, you're waking up all sweaty. You're, people might be saying this, they say, I have a sleep problem. I sleep horribly, I never sleep all the way through the night. Might not be insomnia, might be a blood sugar problem. Do you wake up drenched in sweat and you have to change your t-shirt, change your sheets? Oh, that's annoying, it's gonna disturb your sleep significantly. Do you have to wake up three times a night to urinate? That's annoying. It's going to disturb your sleep significantly. Those are all blood sugar problems, though. So the whole thing about the blood sugar, get off the bad foods. If you just do that alone, you know, and cut the sugar way, way, way back and don't eat before bed. Don't eat right before bed. General advice is three hours. If you're drinking alcohol before bed, don't do that. And by the way, mention salty water. Okay. The salty water mitigates some of this. If you're going to drink alcohol, drink salty water before and after. If you're going to drink coffee, coffee is known as a diuretic. We mentioned this balance between water and water-soluble nutrients. Diuretics, such as coffee, will be depleting the water and the water-soluble nutrients. So one of the things I do, I start the day with some salty water, just salty enough to taste it. Then I have my coffee. Then I have even more salty water it's because it's depleting the salt. You drink the coffee, it depletes the salt. So if you're doing any of these things at night, some salty water might help that quite a lot. If you're drinking alcohol, I just recommend don't do that right before bed and drink some salty water after. Make sure you're not dehydrated. Low blood sugar and dehydration, almost the same thing, basically. So if you're chronically low blood sugar, you're going to have these problems. You're going to have teeth grinding. You're going to have night sweats. Maybe nightmares is also in this as well. Night terrors is what it's officially called. You might have night terrors. This is low blood sugar. Low blood sugar is basically dehydration. So more water, more salt. Remember, the more water we have, the more salt we need. There's other water-soluble nutrients, including that same calcium group. So this is another thing. Either get on our products, because they're the easiest thing to do, and the, the bone and joint products that we have, I can easily say it's the best in the world, and it should fix this. If you don't have access to it or you can't afford it, you know, I, I get it. Go no for Get as much bones as you need. I'm bringing all of it to Africa myself. So we get it. We can afford it. No problem. We're not done. I hope so. I hope so. All right. Like I said, we, we always just want to tell people that, that there is ways. It's just harder. It's way more convenient to supplement. I'm not going to grind my own bones up. We do consume bones. When we eat a chicken, I'm going to eat the whole chicken. We do make bone soup, right? But just don't get it lost. That's uh, the natural people. They did more than just bones. Bones was one part of it. They did the bones, they did the ash, they did the irrigation, they did the low-calorie lifestyle, they didn't eat a whole bunch of processed sugar, etc. So in the modern world, it's way easier to actually supplement. If you can't do it, 
you better get some more bones in you. A lot. Basically, as much as you physically can. Hopefully, that's filling in enough of these minerals so that you can sleep properly because sleep is a muscle problem. And muscles need those minerals, and that's it. All right. So, uh, I think that would be it for me. If you have a question for Ray, I'm sending your request now. All right. We are going to, I'm going to, you know, encourage him to take brief time on each question to be brief so we can take as much as, uh, as much questions as po uh, possible for tonight. And that will be it. Uh, if you enjoy uh, experience or listening to today, go on, go on to follow, um, go on and follow Rayan. And I will be bringing him back on several other topics. Expect to see more of Rayan on here. So bring on your question. Let's see what the question are. The first question I have here, Rayan, is Africans are prone to being hypertensive and diabetic. Will this salty water work for them? Yeah, so all humans are the same. There's, there's no physiological, you know, chemical difference between an African or an Asian or a European. We're all the same. We all need the same nutrients. Um, now, when they say African, I don't know if they mean that, that they live in Africa like you or if they're talking about a black person in America or something like that. Because, okay. well, we already mentioned that, that people in Africa, you've already been led down the same dark path that we have eating the processed foods, we call it the white powders. You could easily mm -hmm. call them the white man's powders too. You know, the, uh, the processed sugar and processed flour, basically. So you've already been led to eat too much sugar, too much flour. You're not supplementing. You're using electricity instead of using fire. Um, you know, you're not living the natural lifestyle. You're not irrigating your fields. You're not eating the bones. You are taking pharmaceutical drugs. Now, in the Americas, black people actually have it really bad. Not because of black. It's not, it's not genetics. It's got nothing to do with genetics. This has to do with culture. Now, Mexicans don't like doctors. This is the key. This is key. Mexicans don't like doctors generally. Talk to a Mexican out there. They don't trust doctors. They do not trust doctors. You talk to uh, a native, a Native American, Canadian, you know, uh, they don't trust doctors at all. They don't trust the white man. They don't trust the government. They don't want them in their business. I live way up north in Canada. The native people up there live very close to what they used to live like. You know, they, they still hunt, they still fish, they still have fires, they, you know, they barely live with electricity. Uh, the Western scholars, we call it almost third world. People who describe native reservations describe them as third world. They still have bad habits. They drink Coca-Cola. I don't know why they love Coca-Cola so much, but that's bad. But nonetheless, they still grind bones up, you know? They still do a lot of this stuff. They still fish. Again, they eat the whole fish, whatever. So they don't trust the doctors is the main point. Mexicans and uh, Native people as two, two groups that stand out that don't trust doctors as much. Black people tend to trust their doctor, and you shouldn't, because your doctor wouldn't have told you anything that we covered here in the last two hours. It's a little bit amazing we went for two hours, but they're not going to tell you any of that. Go talk to your doctor. Hey, Doc, how did, how did natural people get their nutrients? They're probably going to look at you with a blank look. Doctors are not trained in nutrition. Nutrition is not a required course to be a medical doctor. It doesn't matter what type of medical doctor, whether they're a general practitioner or a pediatrician or an anesthesiologist or dentist, you know, they are not uh, required to learn anything about nutrition. So none of what we dis discussed here at all had anything to do with medicines. None of it had anything to do with pharmaceutical drugs other than the fact that pharmaceutical drugs will make your health worse. 
So if you happen to belong to a culture that trusts your doctor, such as, unfortunately, the black people in America and Canada trust your doctor more than the Mexicans do, you get beat up more from the doctors. Doctors treat people like ATM machines, particularly black people, and it's unfortunate. It's a tragedy in our opinion. And one of the things we recommend is to fire the medical doctor. Fire your medical doctor, because if you have one of these problems, they're going to put you on drugs for it. You go into them with a blood, like your question was hypertension, which is a blood pressure problem. Well, we just talked about how blood pressure is governed by muscles. Muscles are governed by minerals. It's got nothing to do with drugs. What is the doctor going to do? The doctor doesn't know this. It's not their fault. They're not malicious necessarily. They don't know this. All they know is how to manage symptoms. Remember that blood pressure is not a problem. It is a symptom of a problem. Specifically, it's a symptom of mineral deficiency. They don't know that. All they know is how to manage things with pharmaceutical drugs. Every pharmaceutical drug will make your health worse, period. It might actually improve the, the singular symptom, but it's going to create what they call side effects, which aren't really side effects. They are natural effects of these chemical agents because we do not require pharmaceuticals in order to be healthy. It automatically decreases our health. So that's, that's the reason. If an Af why Africans have more high blood pressure problems than Mexicans, they're eating basically the same thing, but black people trust their doctors more. So they already had the same nutrient deficiencies and they're eating you know, roughly the same food, but now you take drugs for it, now you're gonna have an even worse problem. Let me just illustrate this even further. All the time we see, in, re in real life, we usually deal with older people. And we have a store in real life and I, I was only there for a year to help open it. My partner opened it and whatever. We have to deal with a lot of people in real life. And I thought it was incredible that often we would see a woman and a man and it's the woman that's coming to us for advice. By the way, women are the huge majority of the health and beauty category. That's what category we're in here in alternative. We sell in supplements, we fall into the health and beauty category. Women spend the most money on, on health and beauty products by far. Women also listen to their doctors more than men. So it's the woman with the health problem. By the way, women also bleed. Your blood and your sweat, these are, nutrient soups, all the nutrients that are in your blood, you lose them through sweat. And if you bleed, you menstruate, you need to replenish more. So women actually have more nutrient demands. And women also build children in their bellies. You build a whole human being. What is that human being made of? It's made of minerals and nutrients, right? So a woman who has children is way more nutrient deficient than the man who sleeps next to them in the same bed and eats the same food. And this is why postpartum depression is so common, right? Postpartum, after the pregnancy, after the birth, not only that, postpartum blood pressure problems, postpartum diabetes, postpartum, whatever, name it. You can name it. It's very, very common for women to be diagnosed with these problems after pregnancy because you've just experienced your biggest nutrient demand of your life, building a whole human being in your body. Now, the triple whammy is a woman who is an athlete as well because they're sweating, losing nutrients, they're bleeding through menstruation, and they're having children. And this, my whole point of this is that usually it was the woman coming to us, and often the woman is in a wheelchair. I'm talking about women in their 50s, 50s, 70s, she's in a wheelchair. She's morbidly obese. She's got diabetes. She's got blood pressure problems. She's, more, she's chronically depressed. But she's also on six medications because she listens to her doctor more. So the woman has more nutrient demands than the man. Sorry, ladies, this is a 
cruel fact of life that you have more nutrient demands on you. And by the way, in, in Africa specifically, but all over the world in, in these natural populations, what they would do before the women got married, they would put her in a hut. Literally, they'd put her in a hut and they'd feed her raw milk, cheese. They'd fatten her up, basically. They'd fatten her up and they'd feed her a whole bunch of nutrient-dense foods, particularly meats and dairy products. And this is not just in Africa. It is all over the world. But it's something that they knew intuitively that the woman needs all these nutrients in order to, to have a healthy pregnancy. So they did that. So we don't do that anymore, right? You're pressured to still maintain your, your um, hourglass figure all, all the way up until you become pregnant. Meanwhile, you should have fattened yourself up before the pregnancy in order to prepare for this increased nutrient demand. So again, it's a cruel fact of nature that women have more nutrient demands than men. And if they exercise, they exacerbate that even more. And my whole point of the story is that I could probably 10, 20, 40 times I have seen a man and a woman standing in front of me. They are the same age. They eat the same things. But the woman has a list of health problems. And she's on a list of drugs usually. And the man, he might have a couple of problems. But my point here is the man doesn't care. Our store is uh, it's in Windsor, Ontario. It's a small city right across the river from Detroit. These are very blue-collar places, very working-class places. These are factory towns, basically. So the man's usually a, a blue-collar working man, chewing tobacco, smoking whatever, drinking beers every night, eating cheeseburgers. That's the attitude of the, of the blue-collar. They just don't care. So the, the point here is the woman cares, but the woman cares so much she listens to her doctor and gets used like an ATM machine, gets put on four different medications. She's morbidly obese. She's falling apart. Man standing beside her, he does have some problems, but he's not worried about it, right? This whole thing was about black people. If black people acted like that blue-collar man I just described, you'd be in better health. If you stopped listening to your doctor and stopped taking their prescriptions, you'd be in better health if you changed nothing else. If you also did these other nutrient things, avoiding the bad foods and getting on the 90 essential nutrients, you wouldn't have blood pressure problems, blood sugar problems, um, cancer, you know, all these things. These are all nutrient deficiencies at the end of the line. Last thing, let me mention this as well. Just, I know, I go into some crazy detail here, but I, I really enjoyed this, by the way. Black people have a thing. We mentioned type 1 diabetes. It's an inborn error of metabolism. You can't produce enough insulin. Well, lactose intolerance is simple as well. If you're, it's similar as well. If you're, if you're lactose intolerance... You're not producing lactase, which is the enzyme that you need to absorb or metabolize lactose. There's another inborn error of metabolism called sickle cell anemia. Now, they say that this disease is a disease of black people. It's a lie. It's a lie. I don't know why it's a lie. I don't know why they do this. If you're a white person and you go into the doctor and you have the exact same problem, they will call it thalassemia. Thalassemia. So these black people have been let... And I don't know why black people are singled out, by the way. Black people have been led to believe that you have all these special genetic diseases. You know, that, that black people are more susceptible to diabetes. You hear this stuff. You Black people are more genetically susceptible to blood pressure problems, diabetes. They got this disease that's just for them. Sickle cell anemia. They say all oh, white people don't get sickle cell anemia. I don't know why they do this again. Maybe they get paid more in insurance to treat sickle cell than they do with thalassemia. But uh, it's, it's BS, basically. It's BS, and it's BS from the medical system. So that's the, the, the very long answer for the very short explanation that if you, if you trust your doctor, they're going to treat you like an ATM machine. They're going to give you drugs. None of those drugs, none of those surgeries, none of those 
tests are actually addressing the problem in any way, shape, or form. And if you merely took yourself away from the medical system, you will be much, much healthier, like those Native Americans or the Mexicans who just don't trust the government and don't listen to them. Thank you. All right, like I said, whoever had a question, a request. Let's get to your question. All right. If you have a question, send in a, uh, a request. I'll bring you on. Hi, Benita. How are you doing? Very well, Kelly. Thank you. Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much. Wow, this is so so interesting. Like you really touch everywhere. Like I had, I have so many questions for you, but um, I'm just gonna keep it to maybe one. And if the host will permit me to, um, my question was gonna be on something else, but you just touched something that really ticked me right now, which is sickle cell. So I think I'm gonna leave the first question and stick to sickle cell because that is something huge for me. So, what do you think is the best approach for sickle well, cell? We have lots of sickle cell, and again, thalassemia people. By the way, if you're an Asian or something, I have no idea what mm -hmm. to diagnose you with. If you go into the doctor and you have a sickle cell, you know, they say sickle cells <laughs> for black people and thalassemias for white people. Right. So who knows what they call it if you're an Asian person. But if you have this problem, we know plenty of these people who don't have to have an episode. Basically, the only, not the only problem, but the main problem with someone who has sickle cell is that they, they will have these episodes where they have to go into the hospital. Interestingly... We talked about salt. One of the first things that they do when you go into a hospital is they put a needle in your vein, an IV. It's probably got saline in it. It's probably got salt in it. Crazy, crazy. So you can bypass that by giving yourself right. enough salt, and that actually might be the trigger. The, the lack of salt might be the trigger for the episode. I can't say that for sure, but anytime I hear, I know, it's salt, right? And this should, there should be a, a, a level of righteous indignation when you learn about this. Like, I lived in pain for 25 years, you know, I'm pretty angry, actually, that the medical establishment, you know, couldn't figure out that I was missing a couple of minerals, you know, when we've been giving these minerals to livestock for a thousand years. And, you know, I suffered in pain for this. And I, most of the, every single day, mm. not most, or that I just accidentally said most, but every single day we change lives by telling people about salt because it's such an important nutrient. Anytime I hear, you know, uh, chronic fatigue, dizziness, nausea, you know, lots of the, panic attacks, mm -hmm. right? The, to me, these are critical deficiencies of electrolytes. We mentioned radiation, and we are not going to have time to go mm -hmm. fully into it, but we are electrical beings. Salt is the primary electrolyte. It's an electrical mineral. It's an electrical nutrient. We mentioned that as uh, nutrients are absorbed into plants, uh, they are converted into a smaller electrically charged particle. This is important because we are electrical beings. Salt is the primary source of these electrical minerals. And, it, you know, people are having trouble with fainting and weakness and lightheadedness and all this stuff. It probably is just salt deficiency. All of those other uh, bone minerals that right. we mentioned, those are all water-soluble nutrients as well. All water-soluble so water and electrolyte is basically the same thing. So the main ones here are going to be the salts, the B vit vitamin C. Those are all water-soluble as well as the bone and joint mineral group, calcium, magnesium, boron, strontium. So if I don't, I don't know where you are in the world, but if uh, you got onto any of our products, especially like the, um, the, the Beyond Tangy Tangerine has a lot of these electrolyte vitamins in it, the B vitamins, I think the FDA just allowed us to suddenly put more B vitamins in per serving. So I think we got 40,000% of B12 of the daily recommendation of B12. Don't let that scare you. It's just the FDA recommendation is so low. The point is, the point is to top mm -hmm, up on the mm -hmm, nutrients. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I try to, we tried to do most of this whole talk without mentioning specific products. This is why salt is one of the, grab some salt if you're having some sort of an episode, if you're feeling faint, uh, if you're feeling lightheaded, if you're feeling dizzy, chances are some salty water, just salty enough for you to taste, chances are mm. they'll stop it in its tracks. And uh, B vitamins, you know, you, you right. can eat fruit, you can eat meat, you can supplement. Any of our basic programs, any of our basic supplement packages are going to be loaded with these water-soluble nutrients. And the plain fact is that somebody, somebody who is, uh, who's been diagnosed with sickle cell or thalassemia should never have to go to the hospital. Now, since it's, it, since it's an inborn mm -hmm. error of metabolism, you might have a lower life expectancy by a few years. We don't know. We don't have this data. We can't possibly have mm -hmm. this data, basically. Mm -hmm. But you shouldn't have to go to the hospital. There are plenty of people who are, quote, sickle cell patients, and they never have to go into the hospital because they don't actually go into a hospital for a sickle cell problem. They usually go in, again, for things like faintness and lightheadedness. And uh, part of this is the training that uh, they've been told to have a disease, right? And that's a big, scary word. You got a disease. So, hey, uh, if, you feel, if you feel anything okay. weird. May I interject a bit? May I interject? Yep. Mm -hmm. Ryan, may I interject a bit? How about when they are in crisis, that severe pain and all that? That is mostly when they are being rushed What's to the, the hospital. What's the symptom there? Sorry, I didn't catch it. The pain, the crisis, well, when they have the severe pain. What are they going to give you in the hospital, right? Painkillers? The painkillers, yeah. Morphine, morphine, so that tramadol. Will that will stop the yeah. There's nothing more powerful than morphine for stopping the pain. But the pain is probably not because of the sickle cell mm. itself. The pain is probably because of these other nutrient deficiencies, particularly that bone and joint group. And uh, it, it almost always goes back to salt because none of these nutrients can even be absorbed without salt. Right. So having the, the salt in your daily life topped up so your stomach acid is nice and strong, you should be absorbing enough nutrients, especially for supplementing, or you shouldn't have the pain. But yeah, if you, if you have a pain episode mm. and it's, catastrophic it's unbearable morphine is fine it's just that if it's happening all the time it's telling you that right. there's a chronic nutrient deficiency there and like I said, part of what i was saying is that the, mm. the, the problem is the training here you've been told you got a disease so you think okay i'm having some pain maybe i'm having heart palpitations also an electrolyte deficiency maybe i'm having dizziness maybe i have you think oh it's because of my disease right this is the this is what we don't want you to think we want you to, to look for the nutritional explanation. And if the best that they can do for you is painkillers, that's not the worst in the world, right? Just don't let them put you on immune suppressing drugs. Mm. And if you have other problems, don't let them think that, right. well, it's because you're sickle cell. That's why you got high blood pressure. Don't worry, we'll put you on a blood pressure drug. Oh, we got, don't worry, you're genetically susceptible to blood sugar problems. We'll put you on a blood sugar problem, a blood sugar drug as well. All of this, right? Mm. So mm. someone with an inborn error of metabolism, like the type one, they can't produce insulin, period. We can't help that. But we can, we can improve every other symptom. We can, we can improve every other metric that they have. We can improve their blood sugar generally. Uh, we can re relieve their pain generally by not having it be caused by nutrient deficiencies. We can get rid of the migraines by getting rid of the foods that cause it. So the type one will always need insulin. Mm -hmm. Just We can't escape that. But again, we can improve everything else. The type one probably does have a lower life expectancy. But in my opinion, it doesn't have to be catastrophically lower. You know, they should still be able to live, you know, a, a long, healthy life without episodes. Without yeah, episodes, that makes without sense. Yeah. And it should be the same with sickle cell as well. Uh, we don't have a, a, an excellent data set here, of course. 
But uh, that is my belief. And there's so many people that we know uh, on these programs that just, they don't have episodes anymore. They don't have the pain anymore. They don't have the blood sugar spikes anymore, or the blood pressure mm. problems anymore. So it's, uh, get on top of all these things. And, and by the way, we always say our basic protocol usually covers most people. This is our basic advice. We haven't gone any further past our basic advice yet. This is just getting off the bad foods, getting on the 90 essential nutrients. And actually, in the case of sickle cell anemia, Dr. Wallach would recommend, and I would recommend too, since it's a more serious thing, it's, it's not just the blood pressure. Blood pressure can be fixed quite easily. We recommend extra selenium. We recommend mm -hmm. extra selenium. And uh, frankly, you might want to boost probiotics and antioxidants for the rest of your life. This goes for anybody with any missing organs or any inborn error of metabolism. The, these the probiotics, we don't have time, but it, we have a symbiotic relationship with them. And basically, our immune system uh, is codependent on these good bacteria. So you can eat more probiotics and you can supplement with them as well. And beyond our basic recommendations to avoid the bad foods and get on the 90 essential nutrients, and if anyone has missed any of that, you can just message us and we'll just give you the blurbs and stuff anytime. Uh, and beyond that, you want to boost selenium. Selenium is one of the most important nutrients of all. And, uh, you know, sickle cell is not necessarily strictly an immune problem, but I think of it that way. I, I categorize it that way personally. And that's our recommendation. Get off of bad foods, get on the 90 essential nutrients, boost selenium, which is an antioxidant, right? Eat mm -hmm. the good foods that are full mm -hmm. of antioxidants, good fresh fruits and stuff like that. You can supplement with more antioxidants. Again, anybody missing any organ, anybody with right. any inborn error of metabolism, it's just going to be a good idea to boost the probiotics and boost the antioxidants as much as you can for the rest of your life. Definitely. Thank you so much once Thank again, you. Ryan. You can message really us appreciate. or you can message Wallach's Warriors as well. If the answer is too complicated, they'll leave it for me anyways. But uh, the basic advice should, should count for everyone, truthfully. All right. Uh, right. Action Thank you. Is turmeric overrated? That's a good question. You know, I, I love the carnivore ND, by the way. He might be where you heard it from. He's, he's making a lot of noise here on, on Instagram. I love what he's doing. You know, I love the way he's presenting it. Uh, but he's a little bit too extreme for me, in my opinion. All of the longest lived populations, I mentioned that they don't have very many food commonalities. There's really not many foods that they all eat. But to my knowledge, they do all consume turmeric. I might be wrong, but uh, there's three antioxidants specifically that I believe they all do consume. Resveratrol, quercetin, and turmeric. It could, be, it could just be the curcumin, by the way. Curcumin is the, is the antioxidant in turmeric, but they all consume that. So, you know, he's saying it is overrated. And let me agree and disagree. I do agree. I love curries. You know, I love, uh, you know, some tikka masala and all this Indian type of really strong curry food. Sometimes. The key is sometimes. These are medicines. When we do concentrate any of these things down, like we grind turmeric up into a powder. I have friends who take 20 turmeric capsules a day. My opinion, that's too much. That is too much. It's bad at that point. It is anti-inflammatory. But we shouldn't be producing inflammation, right? We're producing inflammation by eating the bad foods and by being nutrient deficient. So we shouldn't need all this anti-inflammatory stuff. We shouldn't need medicines in that high capacity. And, you know, these, these are medicines. Turmeric is a medicine. So is it overrated? 
if you are using it medicinally, if you are using it in big quantities all the time, yes, it's overrated. But, you know, if you listen to your body, I intensely crave turmeric sometimes. Sometimes it just, my body's telling me, make something curry because, you know, your body wants it for some reason. And I do believe there's cycles in life as well, especially after the winter seems to be when I crave it the most. And it's just periodic, basically. If you're listening to your body and your body wants turmeric, give it turmeric. Dr. Wallet calls it the seafood diet, S-E-E, not S-C-A, seafood, you see it, you see it, and uh -huh. you, you are in tune with your body, and you eat it. You know, your body will very clearly tell you what it wants after a while once you start to get into this, and turmeric is one of those things that I love, I just don't love it every day, and so I agree with him that people who are using it for its medicinal benefits specifically, they're doing it wrong. Now, also for antioxidants, it is an antioxidant. But we don't need any one specific antioxidant other than the essential nutrients, right? Some of the essential nutrients are antioxidants, selenium, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin E, etc. These are all antioxidants themselves. And there's also antioxidants produced in foods. And turmeric is a good one. You know, it is a good one. It, can it be problematic in high doses? Yes, it can be. And uh, we've given a little bit too long of answers now, but I, I think that's a, a sufficient answer. It's, uh, you don't uh, need it every day. Uh, so, uh, Rian, we wouldn't want to take so much of your time. How are we doing on time? I mean, uh, please let us know if you have to leave because uh, it's been amazing time on here. And uh, I believe we have more time to, you know, have discussions like this. So, um, how much more time do you think you have? Let's take, let's take one more question. One more question. Okay, awesome. So, um, for one more question, someone is asking, how do you manage allergies? in the most natural way uh and then uh, she said dermatitis and papula what was the end of that she's asking how do you manage allergies i think i pinned the question by the way how do you manage allergies dermatitis and papula in the most natural way okay we mentioned i can't i can't see it i was looking for the pin okay we mentioned scurvy earlier scurvy is a direct result of a nutrient deficiency you are missing vitamin C, you immediately start to show symptoms that we call scurvy. So it, it's, it's the first thing that happens, basically. Allergies are the end stage of an unhealthy body. And there's multiple end stage problems. Allergies is one of them that's not as serious as some of the other ones. Cancer, autoimmune diseases, these are end stage things. You don't just miss one thing and then get cancer tomorrow. That's not how it works. You have to have multiple problems chronically. You have to have multiple problems for a long time before it really, really uh, cascades into a catastrophic problem, a catastrophic failure, a system failure. And this is what allergies are, basically. They're, they're a weak immune system. And most of those, all of the essential nutrients are required to have a healthy immune system. We mentioned probiotics. Probiotics are... are absolutely mandatory to have a healthy immune system all of the bad foods that we've talked about and even the rest of our list it's not that long of a list but all of them attack the body in some way all of them burden the body in some way so you've got the combination of bad foods nutrient deficiencies the result in the end is a weakened immune system and i don't like it when people promote turmeric is a good example we just brought up turmeric turmeric is one of those things where people say if you have hay fever or cat allergies or seasonal allergies, you take turmeric and it'll help because it's anti-inflammatory. They're blaming the inflammation, but it's not an inflammatory problem per se. The inflammation or the sensitivity 
This is a result of a weakened immune system. The, by the way, it's not an allergy either. I don't, it's a misnomer. I don't know why they call it allergies. If you have a real allergy, that means you require an EpiPen. It means it's life-threatening, basically. It's anaphylactic is the real world. But to me, that, those are the only things that are truly allergies. Everything else is an environmental sensitivity. This is pollen, hay fever, cat sensitivity. Again, unless you need an, an EpiPen, it's not a real allergy in my opinion. So put real allergies aside because it's a whole different thing. But if you got seasonal allergies, or you got cat sensitivities or something like that, but dust, pollen, all this stuff, this is all just the end stage of a weakened immune system. Now, the problem, not problem, one of the hard parts that people have with this is we've been trained to seek solutions for the problems immediately. We've been, we've been trained to seek immediate solutions. So you take an antihistamine and it relieves the symptoms immediately, but it doesn't fix the problem. It doesn't address the problem, right? The antihistamine will be causing new problems, new side effects. It'll be weakening the system further, etc. And, you know, it's just unfortunate that we're looking for fast results because these end stage things, you know, environmental sensitivities, cancer, autoimmune, all this stuff, this is the result of many problems over a long period of time. So when you make these corrections, getting off the bad foods, getting on the 90 essential nutrients, if you wanted to go extra, it'd be the exact same advice as the sickle cell, extra probiotics, extra antioxidants, you're still not going to see a result with that next week. Probably not. The fastest I've ever seen people report results that like, hey, I didn't get any hay fever this year. We're talking about a month or more, right? And just this is outside of our training as citizens. We've been trained, hey, if we have a problem, go to the doctor. It's like letting your engine seize up because you didn't change the oil, you know, going to the mechanic when it breaks. When we're recommending doing the oil changes regularly. If you haven't done the oil changes regularly, it's going to take a while to fix this problem. It's going to take a while to top the body up on nutrients. It's going to take a while to clear out the digestion system, rebuild it back up, again, by avoiding the bad foods, by using enough salt so the stomach acid is strong enough, by using probiotics and, and boosting up your colonies of your good microbiome, your gut flora. The end result of this, it might take a whole year, but it is very common that people start on the program this year, and then next year they don't have... An, an environmental sensitivity that they would have called an allergy. So that's the main thing to, to remember. If you're seeking a short-term solution to a long-term problem, bound to fail, right? This is a long-term problem, so it requires a long-term solution. It's going to require topping the body up over the long term. It's going to require being off the bad foods all the time, you know, being off gluten all the time specifically. But the whole list of the bad foods, again, they're attacking the body in some way, weakening the body in some way, and the immune system is either going to be strong as a result of a healthy body or it's going to be weak as a result of an unhealthy body. All right, Ryan. It's been incredible two and a half hours. Uh, I enjoyed a little bit of it and I can see the comment is buzzing. I like to believe everyone else enjoyed themselves and um, they learned a thing or two. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on, my brother. I will discuss with you uh, after the show on what to do next. Guys, uh, Ryan, I'll just uh, ask you to close it up. How can, you know, people wanting to get your books, how would they get your books? I was able to get your books on Amazon, okay? 
And uh, for those who would like to get a copy, you can have your copy shipped to you or you can even buy it on Kindle. But I'll give it to you, Rayon. Please, how do we get your books, especially books on health? I think uh, I'm currently reading The Fake Disease, or Fake Diseases, sorry. That is the one I'm currently reading at the moment. I was just through reading uh, everything the government do for us is bad. I've just done reading that. So I'm asking you, if people want to get your books, how would they get your books? Go ahead. Well, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for everybody who's watched this far, especially those who end up watching the, the saved version of this and make it all the way to the end. You are awesome. Um, if you want to look at any of my books, you want to buy any of my books, I have a website, noticebooks.org. Notice is spelled not us, not us books.org. All of my books are there. Amazon, anywhere in the world, whatever, if Amazon is available to you, they should be able to send the books to you. But I've also made audio books in video versions and the audio in video is always free. You can find all of that on my website, noticebooks.org, hard copies and the free versions as well. All right, Arian, thank you so much. Any other thing you'd like to add? Please go, on. go, go, go ahead, Arian. Any other thing you'd like to add? I know that our message can sound overly simplistic sometimes when we say just get off the bad foods and just get on the 90 essential nutrients. Truth is that does work for most people. And I also realize it can get too complicated sometimes. And we went into an extraordinary amount of detail here today. And I hope that the simplicity isn't lost, that truly the main part of this is just getting off the bad foods, getting on the 90 essential nutrients in some capacity. Uh, we're even doing half of this will probably improve your life, but we still recommend all of it. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't stop learning about this as well. Uh, you know, I wouldn't even recommend just doing the protocol without continuing to learn about this because you do want to understand this. You do want to teach your children this. You know, you want to teach your friends this in some capacity. Like we said at the beginning, I don't want to live in a world where all my friends complain about aches and pains and, you know, the, you know, the girls get miscarriages and, you know, the mom's got osteoporosis. We need to spread this information so that we have a better world. Don't get overwhelmed by the complexity and don't get... Uh, too caught up in the simplicity either, you know, implement the changes. There's not that many of them. Learn about the reasons why, and hopefully your life is better and we can improve the world around us. And if any of this was missing, if you want to know what exactly are these bad foods, what exactly are these 90 essential nutrients, what products might be best for me, we always recommend that you message us. You can message me personally, or you can message Wallach's Warriors at Wallach's Warriors they will give you the same answer that I will probably. We will start the same way. We will always give you a list of questions so that we know if we're missing anything, right? Some things came up here. Maybe you're missing a gallbladder. It's a big thing. We need to know about that. Maybe you're on a statin drug. We need to know about that. Let us guide you. Let us help you. Let us give you the recommendations. The food recommendations are always free. We have the food page, Notice Foods, literally there. They will answer questions for you as well. They're not even paid for that. They'll just do that. They'll take requests, we'll make a video if you need to, show you how to make something, teach you how to do this. And that's the main thing. That's the main thing. Just know that you can reach out to us anytime. If the people on Wallach's Warriors, if they don't know the answer, they will leave that for me. And I will come in and I'll give you the answer to the best of my ability. And if I don't know the answer, it happens. I don't know every answer. If I don't know the answer, I'll call Dr. Wallach and I'll ask him. Or I'll call pharmacist Ben Fuchs. Or some, I'll call somebody who's been doing this even longer than I have and I'll get an even more technical answer from them. Thank you everyone for joining. Please stay in touch. Go on and follow uh, my, my good brother Rayan. Okay. Um, you have the site where you can get his books. And then if you have other questions, please shoot him a DM. And um, I'll see you guys around. Uh, we'll still be having 
Rihanna Round pretty soon. Thank you guys for joining. Please follow the page. I encourage you to please share the live. And we are out. Thank you guys. Have a good day. All right. Hope you enjoyed that talk. I've done a bunch more with Kelly as well, especially on the topics of AIDS and cancer. And we've done some Q&As. You can find those on my YouTube channels and on my Rumble, actually, because at least one of those talks, the first one about AIDS, was banned from YouTube. Had to put that on Rumble. I'll probably post both of those aid talks and maybe even the other Kelly talks here on the podcast, so stay tuned. But for now, you can find those in the channel section of my website, notusbooks.org. Once again, everything I do, all my books, all my social media channels, all that stuff you can find on notusbooks.org. If you'd like a health evaluation for yourself, that is what I do for a living. Most of my time is spent just answering messages and emails, taking phone calls, going over people's health information, giving them recommendations. So if you'd like a recommendation, you can contact me in any way through Instagram or through email. You can email me. You can find that in the description of this podcast. It's free. No obligation. You don't have to buy anything from me. If you do buy the supplements I recommend, I will get a commission, but the information is free. And that's all I've got for today. I do appreciate you being here. Until next time. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.